episode 253 yes of mitch unfiltered what do you got going on over there you got a little prop how could i not in honor of oh boy are we gonna sing do you want to sing yes let's sing let's go nibbling on sponge cake watching the sun bake don't laugh <laughs> all those tourists covered with oil Woo. strumming my six string mm. on my front porch swing smell those shrimp they're beginning to boil Rolling over in his grave Wasting away again in Margaritaville Searching for my lost shaker of salt Some people claim that there's a woman to blame But I don't It's nobody's fault You got one more in you? Yeah, go ahead. Let's go. Let's hear you. I don't know the reason I stay here all season Nothing to show but this brand new tattoo Play. It's a beauty But it's a real beauty A Mexican cutie How it got here I haven't a clue Nice Wasting away again in Margaritaville Searching for my lost shaker of salt Some people claim that there's a woman to blame Now I think it could be my fault One more time, let's go All right some people claim that there's a woman to blame, and now I think, hell, it could be my fault. Nice. Very nice. Not bad. The singing was not good. <laughs> no, the singing's not good. Not good. I wanted to sing oh. along to the actual song as like a, uh, uh, what's it called, a guide vocal. Yeah. yeah I probably should have done that. I could have done that. We could have just played it. Yeah, I want it in my ear so people oh, will think I was a I better see. singer than I actually am. I wanted to be Britney Spears in concert. <laughs> Is that what she does? She cheats? Do I think a lot of them do uh, that. Yeah. Mitch Unfiltered, episode 253. How old was he? 75? 76? Yeah, 76. 76. Yes, sir. Oh, boy. I don't know that I was ever a Buffett guy. Which is a little bit surprising. He's a Florida guy. He's yeah. mellow. Loves the Dolphins. Like he loves the. I think he might be a part owner of the Dolphins. Yeah, he's completely loaded. He's so got he a lot of money. Be, yeah. He's got a lot of money. <laughs> so he wasn't but always I was living never, that. I was never a parrot head. Something. Oh, you're not a parrot head, no. You're absolutely not. What did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong on that? Are you in life or with the parrot? No. Head are, you, are you? Why, how do you know I'm not a? I'm just, I, I don't know. I never got into Buffett. Yeah, it's, I think he's more like my father-in-law's, gen, like my father-in-law is probably 74, 73 around there. He loves yeah. Jimmy. Like Jimmy Buffett carved out this, this world, this niche of like sitting on the beach, playing your guitar, not a care in the world. Right. And I think that resonates with a lot of people, maybe like people yeah. his age. Yeah. 
but you know, margarita, like the line we didn't get to was, you know, I got uh, what booze in the blender and that frozen concoction will help me hang on. You know, he's just living that life that a lot of people dream yeah. of. Would you say you're a Buffett guy? No, I, I would say I'm not, but I, I will tell you this, that my father-in-law's house was on Lake Sammamish on the water. And in yeah. the summer we'd have yeah. people over and we're barbecuing and he would just put on Buffett's greatest he hits. Would. Right. It's the greatest soundtrack ever for like a day in the sun. Really? It's awesome. Yeah. Like the volcano is a great But you song. never got into it. I, I ne- it's not really no I just I never did but when you're having a barbecue in the sun on the yeah, water it's yeah. it's the greatest soundtrack episode ever. 253 Mitch unfiltered I was looking up if there's an area code 253 I can't find one <laughs> nowhere in Ohio or Idaho can't find or, yeah. a 253 oh. Fife Washington hello oh Fife. I would have loved Larry King to say Fife Washington <laughs> hello you know what I was thinking about that I listened to old Casey Kasem top 40s did you listen to the American top 40 of course, girl you and course. everyone else yeah, I yeah, assume yeah, yes, yes. Did you ever root for him to say the station that you yes. were listening to? Why, why was that so important to me to hear? Yes. He never once fucking did it. Like, could it have killed you to say Q93 or whatever the hell I was listening to at the time? That's so I true. I would have been so excited. That's so true. Uh, he, he would list off 100 stations during the show, not once the one I was listening to. Auburn, Washington. Oh, Hello. Yes. Yes. 253. That's right. Episode two. We can quit now. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm starting episode 253 with the easiest fun football contest, which is back on Mitch Unfiltered. <laughs> okay, the easiest. Mitch Unfiltered. It's called Beat the Boys. Yes. I think this is either the fourth or the fifth year of really? this. Okay. Presented by John Waterstrat. Thank you, Fireside Home Solutions. Thank you so much, their newly remodeled Bellevue showroom. The glory of Beat the Boys, which begins this week at the start of the NFL season. Wow. Simplicity. It is a very simple contest. <laughs> you keep saying that, but... <laughs> Three NFL games each week. Yeah. We put it on the website. Yep. Runmypools.com hosts the contest. Yes. You can go to MitchUnfiltered.com and sign up and become a contestant. All we ask is that you pick the winner... Of three NFL games that I provide for you. How hard can no it be? lines. Yeah, just picking the winner. Come no on. spreads. Nothing. Just tell us who's going to win. That's Click right. the team that's going to win. You do that each week. There's 54 total games. You get a point for every time you get one right. Voila. If you beat the boys, you win a prize. Yep. You got to beat all of us. Yeah, you got to explain to people who the boys are. I will tell you who the boys okay. are. You need a password each week, which I provide on the show. I'm going to give you the, the first one right now. It's Julio. Okay, easy. J-U-L-I-O, lowercase Julio. Yep. You punch the password in. You'll see the three games this week. I think it's uh, the Seahawks, Rams, the Dolphins, Chargers, and the Giants, Cowboys. Dolphins, Chargers. Woo, from 1986. <laughs> What was that one where it was like 800 it was to 789? Like 82 or 83. Yeah. right before Dan Marino. Oh, it was. Drafted. Okay. Yeah. 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 So those are the three games. All right. You're going to be asked to pick a winner in those three games Dolphins, Chargers, Seahawks, Rams, Giants, Cowboys. I believe it's Giants, Cowboys. Okay. That's it. Done. Ta- literally takes 10 seconds. You're putting pressure on me because I'll inevitably forget. Well, I'm not putting pressure I'm, on you. Well, you're, making, you're saying it's the easiest else. one ever until I miss a couple weeks. You get a point if you pick it right. You don't get a point if you don't pick it right or you don't pick it at all. Right. You don't get a point. At the end of the season, you'll have something between zero and 54 points because there'll be 54 (laughs) games. And if you have compiled enough points to beat all the boys, you are guaranteed a prize. All right? Okay. The boys, Mitch, Scott, not hard, producer Steve, (laughs) Slickhawk, Danny O'Neill, 
and movie mogul Max. Oh, what chances does anyone have? I mean, that's a... Well, Steve Dion finished third overall, I so know. I think we gave away two prizes last year. It's a prodigious group right there, especially Not with really. Dion. There's nothing prodigious except for my nose and Leonard Bernstein's nose. That's <laughs> Don't it. bring him into that's your it. world. That's Come the on. only thing that's prodigious <laughs> on this show. That's it. That's the way it works. Okay. Password each week. Get it on the show. Go to the website. Make your picks. If you beat all of the boys, if you compile more points than all of the boys, you are guaranteed a prize. $1,000 cash for the, for the grand prize winner from the Fireside Home wow. Solutions. That's a good one. And then we've got dinners at Daniel's Broiler. We've got Zeke's Pizza gift cards. Nice. We've got free patron subscriptions. Everybody who beats the boys is guaranteed a prize. I like it. Okay. I'm in. First week's password is Julio. Mm-hmm. If you want to enter, yep. you go to MitchUnfiltered.com, front page, top banner, click it, boom, click it, and you're there. It'll take you to RunMyPools.com, and uh, that's where you'll find the games, okay? And if one signed up in the past, perhaps they're yes, still signed I don't, up, or do we know? Yeah, I think. I don't want to confuse things I'm not here, sure but. exactly how that works, but I think it's e- even easier right. if you've played in the past. I would agree, yes. That's what I found. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that. I'm, I might be. So I think there needs to be a side wager between you and me. Why now after 400 years I don't of know. doing this? Okay. I was just thinking about this the other day, and you you are challenged to get your picks in. Yeah. And I would think that if there was something more on the line, like your respectability or something, <laughs> that, went that maybe, a long maybe time ago. <laughs> it would push you to get your picks in each week. Yeah, sure. Because after all, it takes 10 seconds to click three teams. A little skin in the game doesn't hurt. Hey, yeah. two drops of water on the ceiling. I'll get the left. You get the right. Thousand bucks. Let's go. <laughs> Which one's going to fall first? <laughs> so you yes. against me. <laughs> okay. Whoever has more points at the end of the end of the year wins. All right. What would be a quality wager? Do you want to make it a fun wager, or do you want to make it like a a lunch or dinner or cash wager? Oh. Like I was thinking, if I win, I know what I want from you. Uh oh. I want one of your new music podcasts for patrons. But I choose the artist. Hmm. Barry, Do you have an artist in mind? Or? Barry Pincus. Yeah? Barry Allen Pincus. Oh, God. I want you to do... Really? A complete patron music show, just oh, the way God. you would do it any other week or any other year or any other artist. I want you to do it on Barry Allen Pincus from Brooklyn, New York, 79, almost 80 years old. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Looks 50. <laughs> with all the work no it looks 98 oh yeah it looks worse talk about prodigious all right all right i can live with that at least that's something i can do and maybe you would like me to do a music profile on somebody that you choose if you win how about that Not the worst suggestion in the world <laughs> maybe there's somebody that i have no idea even exists that everybody else knows i gotta give like you like iron maiden or I someone don't know. like that i'll do anything you want the problem with that is i feel like you'll sully my work i don't know if i need that why would my show I, sully your you work? You don't know how to do it. I, you don't know how to do it right. I could you know? do one. You could you? And if it's terrible, that, that's <laughs> more reason to enjoy it being terrible. That would be kind of interesting to see. I'm sure you how would do How would fine. I do it? I don't know that I would to be able I'm not going to worry about this because I'm going to win. True. And you're going to be profiling Barry Allen Pincus from Brooklyn, New York. All right. I can live with that. It's better than what you did to your poor Sears producer in a thong walking down the street. <laughs> I'm glad it's not one of those because I'm not really a fun person like that. So <laughs> I, I can well, live with editing audio. <laughs> do I get to know who I have to 
profile if uh, I lose, or do I not know that? Are you going to reserve the right to put anybody you want on me? I kind of want to think about that. Okay. To make it a little bit more embarrassing, a little more troubling for me? Not necessarily, but I feel like there is sort of a format that I'd like you to follow. Like, I could hit you with Iron Maiden. You're not a fan. I don't even know who Iron Maiden is. I know. Or something metallic. Listening to me profile Iron Maiden. Which would be pretty damn funny. (laughs) But they don't have radio hits, and I don't know what songs you'd pick. So I I don't know. Do the best that I can. Believe me, if I lose, I'm going to take one of yours, (laughs) use it as a guide, and I will try to do it. I will actually try to imitate your voice in the way I I will try to do it exactly the way you want me to do it. Yeah, let me let me think about that. Let me think about who I because like I said, I I wanted to follow the format. They got to have some radio hits. Because otherwise, what are you? What songs are you going to choose? You're just going to randomly pick. Oh my songs? god! It's going to then the one I'm giving you is going to be the easiest one you've ever done because he's had more hits than all the people you've done combined. That, that actually makes it the hardest because there's, <laughs> if he has 400 hits, Barry Allen Pincus has more more hits than you could shake a stick at. For God's sakes, every one of his songs is a hit on the U.S. Hot Billboard Hot 100 or Hot 200. Yeah, I don't know either. You might be laying a little over your head with that. Stevie Wonder, different story. I looked him up. Oh, Well, Beat the Boys is beginning again, our fourth or fifth season. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com and uh, become a contestant. And all you got to do, again, three games, three NFL games provided for you. You're just going to pick the winner. No spreads. You do it all year long by getting the password on the show, going in, punching in the password and picking the games and everybody who beats all of the boys. Now it was difficult last year because Dion was so damn good at it. Yeah, I know. If we have a bad year, we could be giving, I don't know. There's been years that I think I've had to give 30, 40, 50 of these things away. I mean, you mowed a guy's yard last week from two years ago. (laughs) You're still working this shit off. Holy crap. Oh, you see Dion, by the way, running a half marathon and just making us all feel shitty about ourselves. Ladies and gentlemen, Mitch I Unfiltered. feel fat and old enough. You got to throw that in my face on Facebook. Christ. Mitch Unfiltered, available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe and rate us, please, on Apple. We need some more five-star ratings. Also, consider becoming a Mitch Unfiltered patron at $5 a month and have access to all of our shorter weekday shows. This coming week, we will have four short shows available for you, patrons. We'll have the Peace Show with Danny. We'll have Shooting the Shit with Slick. We'll have the M's Note Table, and we'll have the debut of Around the NFL with former general manager Randy Mueller. And then next week, we will be at five shows per week. That's what you get for $5 a month. Five shows per week because we're going to add in the Seahawks Note Table after their first week's game against the Los Angeles Rams. So, Four shows, four short shows this week, five starting next week. You become a Mitch Unfiltered patron, again, by going to MitchUnfiltered.com, and it will cost you $5 a month. In the U.S. alone, for Barry Manilow, on the U.S. Hot 100, or just the U.S. chart, because he's old, 25 top 40 hits that I would have to sort through. Is that a lot? 25 is a lot, yes. Yes, a lot of bands. It feels like he's got more than 25. Well, that's just in the U.S., and that's usually the chart that I go off of. I just want you to tell the story. Tell the great life story of Barry Allen Pincus. What was his first number one hit? I don't have any idea. You tell me. Kiss me and stop me from shaking, but I begged you to stay. Oh, Mandy. Mandy was the first one. First number one hit. I think that was his first I thought his first number one hit was the commercials. I am stuck on a Band-Aid because the Band-Aid's stuck on me. He also did, and like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's Barry Allen Pincus.
Just so that will be a part of this. You're gonna have to talk about all of his great commercials. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Yeah. I guess if I lose, you deserve a break today. Is that him? So get up and get away at McDonald's. That's him? Harry Allen Pinkus. Come on. Is that Most, right? Yeah, more talent, more talent in his pinky than all the guys that you profile combined. That's why his God last sake. name is Pinkus. Because he's so talented in his pinky. Anyway, I be, write the songs. Went to number oh, one. Holy sure shit! You are you already starting your project? Yeah, I'm just taking a look and see what I'm staring down the barrel. It's starting of. to feel like you want to lose. Looks like we made it. Was number oh, one. Looks like we made. It's one of my all-time faves. Can't smile without you. Top oh. three. Good lord. Yeah. A lot of hits. Yes, yes, yes. All the uh, regular guests made possible by the patron subscribers. We are at Rick Neuheisel, Randy Mueller, Danny O'Neill, Peter King, Jason Lockenfora, Slickhawk, Matt Miklas, Joe Doyle, Jason Churchill, the Seahawks No Table Guys, the Seattle Kraken No Table Guys. So uh, become a patron at MitchUnfiltered.com. It's going to be a great football season, okay? Um, guests on this episode 253. Rick Neuheisel, his weekly hit. Nice. Presented by Taco Time Northwest. We've got the debut of the all-new Seahawks No Table. Joe Fan is out. He's out, yes. Saw that. Brian Nemhauser, Hawk Blogger, is in. Do you know Brian at all? I don't know him, but I follow him on Twitter. Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks Insider, is in the debut of the new 2023 Seahawks No Table presented by Taco Time. And Scott Schaefer will be guest number three. Hmm. I don't want to say too much about Scott. I'm just going to tell you he is the owner of Jack's American Pub in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. And he has put together, he and his team have put together an hysterical new promotion that has captured national headlines. I don't know if you've seen this. I haven't, no. They've got a new drink-free promotion on NFL Sundays, but I'm not going to tell you what has to happen for you to drink free at Jack's American Pub in Milwaukee. You're going to have to listen to the segment with uh, Scott Schaefer, the owner of Jack's American Pub. Live show? Live show from Jack's American Pub and drinking free? I think I'm in. <laughs> you want to go. go to Milwaukee and <laughs> do a go. show from Milwaukee? <laughs> if you're drinking free, let's go. <laughs> All I'll tell you, and it's legit, is every Sunday, every person, their entire bar tab is free. You drink as much as you want. Everybody in your party drinks as much as you want oh. and it's completely free if something happens during that Sunday in the NFL season. You got to get there before the games start. Okay. You got to drink while the games go on and if something happens, right. every drink in the entire bar is on the house. Every patron, every drink completely free at the end of the day. It's a bit of a gamble. Total gamble. You can rack up your bill to a thousand bucks thinking you're drinking for free. <laughs> At the end of the night, you're seeing double and you're getting your debit card. And you're like, shit. <laughs> That's how that would go. <laughs> Episode 253 Hotshot presented by John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions, the title sponsor of Beat the Boys, which starts this week. Three games. Password Julio, all lowercase, a thousand bucks from Fireside Home Solutions to the winner. And everyone who beats us this season wins a prize. Check out a new fireplace or garage doors at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. The Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage, challenging times in the home financing world, no doubt. But that's when the better and more creative professionals stand out, like Jordan Flowers and his Woodenville Cross Country team. A phone call away, direct number to Jordan, 425 890 
2957. Daniel's Broiler and their Seattle Bourbon Bash, September the 16th. The gorgeous downtown location in the Hyatt at the Rickhouse Whiskey Bar. A collection of bourbon and whiskey with heavy appetizers. Tickets still available. Danielsbroiler.com. You got to love Daniel's Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Evergreen Golf Call. Tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. Evergreengk.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. And Zeke's Pizza. All the great things going on over there at Zeke's from expansion to Idaho down to Portland, their revamped mobile app, which makes home delivery as simple as ever. Download the new Zeke's Pizza app and give it a try. Let me know. Homegrown in the Northwest. Episode 253. The NFL season is here. College football is underway. It all begins right now. Unfiltered. To win 117 games. That's how good. They have not only just been the best team in baseball, but they're on a 50-game pace that's better than their 116-game winning season. I mean, that's this is how incredible the turnaround has been. Unfiltered. You find me an NFL team that's got a great offensive line and a great defensive line, and I don't give a rat's ass about the quarterback, the wide receiver. You show me a, do- a team with a dominant offensive line and a dominant defensive line, and I'll show you a team that has a chance. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 253, Hot Shot Scott, is officially underway. Sumner, Washington. Hello. Oh, I like Sumner. Big fan. Fox Island, Washington. Hello. Ooh, that's a good one. I want to hear Larry. Where's Larry King? <laughs> Isn't Tracy Taylor in the 253 somewhere? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think she's going to be like Kent? The, is it the, Kent? the mayor or the... <laughs> She's yes. gonna. She's running for office. Right. She's got a vice mayor. I oh said. my! You know, <laughs> no, I'm not mayor. It's uh, city council. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Running for city council in the two five. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We were at episode two hundred and fifty three, and I said to Graz last week in your apps, "How was camping?" By the way, a torture as usual. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Well, I mean, you it's, love it. Well, there's parts I like. Yeah. What parts do you like, and what parts do you not like? Uh, sitting on my ass and doing nothing and drinking a beer, I like. That's okay. nice in okay. the woods. Right? Can you do that? Sit on my ass? You don't, sure. you don't seem like the guy who can sit still and do nothing for a long period of time. I can't, but I do for a little <laughs> while. <laughs> well, so what happens? Like playing when... catch with my daughter, softball in the woods. That's okay. fun. You know, whatever. Yeah. But, but there's it's... others there. It's not just you and her. Correct. There's yeah. like five dads or four dads this year okay. with their kids. And yeah. It's just a lot of work setting up. Like we got there at 10 o'clock at night, so we're putting our tent up in the dark and, and pulling it all down. It's a pain in the ass. And you get a little chafed from sit, being in your swimsuit all day and you're in pain yeah, and yeah. you're dirty. And there's a lot that sucks what about, about it. What about going to the bathroom? Well, we go to a state How park. Potty potty. Well, we go to a state park because we're not we're not true outdoors people. Right. So they have restrooms available, public restrooms. Well, that's not camping. Well, we're amateurs, so we go to state park. That's <laughs> not camping. What a true yeah, camper. I'm not digging a hole for number two. <laughs> there are bathrooms there, okay? I'm not an animal. Christ. I told the Graz in your absence last week on episode 252 that these next few weeks in the sports world mm-hmm. are going to rival that period of March and April that I say every year is my favorite period in sports you know the ncaa tournament followed by the masters spring is there opening day in major league baseball it all happens in those three weeks like 
second week of March to like the second week or four weeks into the second week of April. Great time of year. These next few weeks, nerve-wracking. Yeah. I think they're going to be a little bit nerve-wracking, but you've got the Mariners. Now we're in the stretch run. You got the Seahawks starting off their NFL season. Everybody thinks they're going to be good. We'll see. The Washington Huskies, who started off with a boom against Boise State, Washington State, Pac-12 football is going to be as as sad as it is yeah. going away. It's going to be unbelievable this year. All the quarterbacks, the Washington State Cougars go to Colorado State and Cam Ward throws for 451 <laughs> yards while we're not even paying attention. Pac-12 is 12-0, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like 12-13-0. They've got like four Heisman Trophy candidates. <laughs> four teams might make it to the playoffs. It's great. It's going to be all Pac-12 yes, in the playoffs. They should make a rule that if all four teams are Pac-12, <laughs> that everybody comes back. That's right. USC comes back, yep. UCLA. And the rest of the conferences have to chip in for the money. But you got all of that going on at the same time. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm. The Mariners are now, you knew that there was going to be a moment that they were going to crash back down to earth. Yep. I think we're there. Losers yeah. of three of their last four. They lost two of three in New York to a bad Mets team on the day that we're recording. They looked pretty bad against Cincinnati and a loss to the Reds. All of a sudden, Houston has caught them at the American League West. Texas is one behind. Toronto is one behind. It's nervous Nelly time right. for the Seattle Mariners. And the worst part to me is the Toronto Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays are complicating everything. If it weren't for the Toronto Blue Jays, it wouldn't be all that nerve-wracking. We know that the Tampa Bay Baltimore loser in the American League East is going to be probably the number 1 wild card. It's going to be one of the wild cards. Okay. That leaves two wild cards, right? Mm -hmm. Two wild cards left. And there's an American League West. Let's think of it as musical chairs. Did you ever play musical chairs as a kid? Yeah, I had a few hurt tailbones from it, but yes. <laughs> Missed the old chair. You've got an American League West chair in the playoffs. Okay. Two wild card chairs for the playoff. We're going to give one of them right. to, the Toronto, to the yeah. Toronto Baltimore loser, yep. right? So how many chairs do we have? We empty have chairs. three empty chairs. We've got three empty chairs. And how many people fighting for Well, them? we've got... Texas, Houston, and Seattle fighting for the AL West, and this is my point. Toronto, one game behind the Mariners, so that means they're one game behind Houston, and they're even with Texas. Toronto, Texas, Houston, and Seattle, and the music is playing, and they're circling three empty chairs. Yeah. I mean, you like your shot, right? Look, if Toronto would just settle down for a second right. and start losing a bunch of games we would know one team's going to win the West and they're going to get quite a perk, a set of perks by winning the West. You get a buy in the first round of the playoffs and then you host, you get the home field advantage in the second round of the playoffs. Nice. So nice perks. And then the other two that don't win the West would get wild cards. Yeah. And so we wouldn't be really sweating all that much because we know what's the worst case scenario if Toronto wasn't involved in the equation. The worst case scenario is you'd be a wild card team. Yeah. You might win the West and if you don't, you're what? But this Toronto thing, the Toronto team involved in the musical <laughs> chairs is starting to make me feel like one of those American League West teams might not get in. One, one of the of teams them. that doesn't yeah. win the West is not going to get in. And you know our luck. <laughs> Already? You Already know our you luck. have them out of the playoffs. No, I don't have them out of the I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm stressed out about it. They've now started playing like human beings again. You knew that that red hot was just Couldn't not going to – 
not sustainable. Be. We all knew that. So if they could just come down and play well, yes, but not red hot, then yes. they should be fine. The question is, are they going to come down and just play well? Yeah. Or are they going to come down and be shitty now for a couple weeks and lose like nine out of 14 and then be out of the playoffs altogether? Yeah, they're not in a position where they can be shitty. It's- no. And then you've got the Seahawks this Sunday. Are yeah. you excited? I saw your, your, your buddies at training camp. My buddy? Yeah, you tweeted about him, uh, Spoon. Well, training camp's been over for a while. Oh, it has. Thanks for, <laughs> for paying attention. Well, they haven't yes. played a real game yet. Right. So. Yeah, yes, he's at practice. He's at practice. Spoon practiced on Monday, the day that we're recording this, which is a relief to a lot of us. Yes. It's about time. Yeah. Whether he'll play on Sunday, I don't know. And if he plays on Sunday, whether he'll play well, I don't know. Sunday, the real thing is going to happen. Yeah. The Los Angeles Rams, Aaron Donald, are coming to town for game number one of the NFL season. And I believe, even though, to me, the Seahawks are a mystery, especially defensively. All these people that are claiming to know what's going to happen and make predictions and here's what the defense is going to be and here's what the offense is going to be. I can accept the offensive projections because when you look at the offense and you know what happened last year, you can make some pretty solid conclusions, can't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, look at the offense. The offensive line, which was always the the weakness of the offense, should be at the very least the same or better because the two tackles are now a year older. They're not rookies anymore. So whatever they are, they should be better in year two than they were in year one. I'm not sure the left tackles any great shakes, but they should all be better than they were in year one. And you got a new center. Right, which we needed. We needed. So your offensive line should be at the very least a little better, if not a lot better than it was a year ago. You've got the same quarterback. Now, maybe you think he's a fluke and he can't repeat what he did last year. you got the same quarterback. Yep. You've got two running backs. Kenneth Walker was great in his rookie year. You've got a new draft choice in Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. Yeah, you got good. the running backs. The wide receivers, Lockett and Metcalf are back. Yep. No reason to think they'll be any worse. And then you add this heralded rookie from Ohio State. First-round draft choice. So the wide receivers should be better. Yep. The tight ends are the same. So what's the conclusion? Right. The offense, I think, very easily should be the same, if not better, than it was a year ago. It was pretty damn good a year ago. Yeah, the offensive line, you say, will be better, and I agree with you. I don't know how much better, but we'll see. It should be better. But they were good enough to blow holes open for Kenneth Walker. So, right? I mean, they were at least decent. It wasn't a great offensive line last year. It wasn't great, but good enough to help him get some yards. They could have protected Geno better. I think he was sacked amongst the league. I think some of the higher numbers came from Geno. But, yes. The offense, you can make some safe conclusions about. Yep. To me, you can make zero intelligent guesses about the defense because, A, it was, especially in the run defense, it was god-awful last Mm -hmm. year. The defensive line was god-awful. The interior of the defensive line, god-awful. The linebacker play, especially in the middle, god-awful. The corners were pretty good. The safeties were pretty good. But everything else with God awful. Now, you ask, so why can't you, Mitch, make the same conclusions as you did with the offense? Well, I haven't seen Daryl Taylor play in the preseason. I haven't seen Bobby Wagner didn't play it down. I haven't seen Jamal Adams. I haven't seen Jordan Brooks. I haven't seen Quandre Diggs. I haven't yeah. seen Harley Draymond Jones, their new guy. I haven't seen Tariq Woolen. He's coming off of injury. I haven't seen Julian Love. I have seen nothing yeah. in the preseason. So I have no idea whether these guys are going to be the same, worse, or better 
than they were a year ago. So I have no idea about the Seahawks defense. What do we think no. about the Rams this year? Are we worried about them See, coming in? Or? That, that's what I will say. And this is the Levy jinx. If there okay. ever was, I'm about to give you the Levy jinx. I can't wait. If there ever was one. But I think this is a perfect first game opponent for the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Perfect. You've got Cooper Cup mm-hmm. seeing hamstring specialists in Minneapolis over the weekend. For all intents and purposes, not going to play. Which is a biggie. Well, it feels like every time he touches the ball, it's 18 yards. Against this defense? (laughs) Every time. Just wide open over the middle. There goes Not going to play. Now, they have Matthew Stafford, and they've got a couple of guys here and there. But no more Jalen Ramsey. They've got two corners you've never heard of. No more Leonard Floyd. Defensive end who used to cause all kinds of troubles for the Seahawks. He's gone. No more Bobby Wagner. We know he's gone. They are a skeleton of their former selves for the most part. Aaron Donald's still there. He's going to create problems on Sunday, but they're already talking about trading him at the trading deadline. You never want to lend any credibility or credence to preseason results, Mm -hmm. but they were the worst preseason team in the NFL. Really? They lost by 17, 17, and 41. (laughs) Okay. They were terrible. Yeah. People down there can't believe how bad it's gotten so quickly, how rebuilding it's gotten so quickly. So... Yeah, I'm probably giving the Levy jinx right now, but I feel like this is a game that's perfect for the seal at home, home field crowd, the juice of the home field opening day. Yeah, sure. I would think the Seahawks are going to be just fine on Sunday. Good. I look forward to it. We'll see. Speaking of just fine, your beloved college football team. Sure. After a little bit of a slow start, did you yeah, watch? Yeah, it was weird. It was like 9-8. Or I kept like looking over. I was at work that day, but I, I went yeah. back and watched it. But yeah, it didn't seem like they were. I was like, are they going to run away with this ever or no? It seemed like a, a herky-jerky start. Yeah. Their offense didn't get rolling in the first couple of drives, but boy, once it did. Wow. We are abundantly clear about one thing for the for the University of what's, Washington. What's the strength of the Huskies? Go ahead and tell it to me. They Mitch. can throw it. Is that right? Okay. And they can catch it. <laughs> right. And they can run after they catch right. it. Right, yeah. Now, I don't know what else they can do. I don't know how good Boise State is supposed to be, if they're going to be a 10-win team, an 8-win team, a bowl yeah. team. I have no idea. So I think we learned very little about the University of Washington, but we were confirmed that the left-handed quarterback can throw the ball all over the field, <laughs> and he's got wide receivers, man, out the kazoo. Odunze's great. McMillan's great. Polk's great. I like Bernard. They've got more guys that can catch the ball and get open, and we also know whatever offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb and head coach Kalen DeBoer are doing on offense, keep doing it. Because I said this last year, and it wasn't different in the first game this year. Their receivers are wide open. I don't know how they do it. It's a crazy scheme. They get them wide open. He's throwing to guys that are never, hardly ever covered, yeah. for God's sakes. And I, I know. know the receivers are good, but there's something scheme-wise that he that they do to get guys wide open. Can they run the ball? I don't know. Can well, they stop anybody? I don't know. Can they tackle? I don't know. Can they cover? I don't know. I think there's a lot of I don't know still coming out of the Boise State game. Yeah, I saw your tweet about we we didn't learn a whole lot. I don't feel I didn't learn a whole lot. Yeah, I was going to ask. So if it's you know third and two and you need a first down, who are they handing it to? Like who's their who's their running back? Do we know? I mean, who well, got, who got the line share of the carries? The guy was supposed to be Cam Davis, and he got hurt, so he's gone for the year, which was a crushing blow for the running game of the University of Washington. And then they have two guys that played on Saturday, and I thought Nixon 
showed to be the better of the two guys on Saturday. Okay. I'm trying to remember the other guy's name. But, yeah, I, I think that that's still very much up in the air. I think those questions still need to be answered. Yeah. I think the other question is on third and two, am I even gonna run, are they even going to run the ball on third and two? Third and inches, go deep. <laughs> that's right. Go, Jalen. <laughs> go long. All right. I'm go just going to throw the ball just up like in the recess. air. Yeah. I a couple mean, of those throws he made, that one down the left the left sideline, he didn't score on it, but I think he got down to maybe the three of them. Just yeah. right over the defender. He go deep. Evaded a couple guys in the backfield. I mean, he just looks amazing. Coach, we just missed it on third and inches. We just threw an incomplete pass. Now what are we going to do? Go deep. <laughs> that's right. On fourth and inches. <laughs> just every time. Just throw the ball. It. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch yeah. them and the Pac-12. Can't wait. Lots of fun. Are you going to make it to a game? Are you and Max oh, yeah. going to go to a oh, game? Oh, I'm going to I'm going to make it to a game. He won't want to know from me at the game, but he's going to the Michigan State game in a couple weeks. There is he in really? East Lansing, yeah. He's working for the uh, for the athletic department. He's on the field, you know, shooting pictures. He's already weaseled his Ta- way into the athletic taking department, taking pictures with the Husky. I'm like, wow. I think he's supposed to be working. <laughs> awesome. He won't take pictures with Misty. But he'll take pictures with the Washington Husky? His parents, you got to pay him to take a picture of you, but the dog all day long. Oh, my God. Can we get a picture of you and Misty? No. But here's a picture of me and the Husky. Right. Fred the Husky. Which isn't a Husky, by the way. I've always loved that. It's okay. never a Husky. No. It's always a Malmute, which I think is so funny. They, they don't use a Husky, and I don't know why, but it makes me laugh every year. Three interviews and then the other stuff segment on episode 253. It's been a while since my friend and Mitch Unfiltered partner John Waterstrat joined us, and there's good reason. He's been busy. An exciting major facelift to some of the fireside showrooms. How are you, J-Dub? I'm doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me back. And yes, it, it has been busy, and we're excited to unveil some new, cool new projects. We have a new sales director that came along, and he's been putting his footprint on the showrooms, and we're excited about what he's doing. We're going to put some new fireplaces you've never seen before and then we're redoing our whole outdoor kitchen area. Wow. The fantastic flagship Bellevue location was already beautiful, so I can't wait to drop by and see it. So what's the rumor about some big project you're coming up? Some enormous fireplace that you guys are ready to install? Yes, our commercial department's doing a fantastic job and as we've talked about before, we can do almost anything in fireplaces and custom fireplaces are getting bigger and bigger and we're hoping to uh, unveil the one of the largest fireplaces in North America. It's going to be pretty exciting stuff. How big? Roughly 25 feet. And you're not going to tell us where it is, but we'll be able to see it sometime? And we'll be able to see it and we'll talk about it. Yeah, it'll be exciting. Oh, that's yeah. going to be fun. So now that we've reached, let's call it the off-season for fireplace use, it's actually, you and I talk about this, one of the better times of the year to start the process of redoing the fireplaces in your home or, like you guys did for us, an outdoor unit. Yes, I mean, when the weather gets it's nice out there. Things go a little bit faster. So we're not fighting the weather, whether we have to extract a fireplace, put a new one in. And then again, outside as well. When you're out there, we can get something done pretty quickly for you right now. And so when you're looking at the off season and you have a schedule and, and you want to get something done quickly, it's the best time to do it. Yeah. Whether it's fireplaces or garage doors, begin your search at firesidehomesolutions.com. I'll bet you'll end your search there too. It's sponsors like John and Fire Fireside that make our shows and growing guest lists possible. Fireside Home Solutions and FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Hey, look who it is. 
Katie Versio, the director of financial planning, Evergreen Golf Call. Hi, Katie. The market's up. How's everything at Evergreen? I'm doing well, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Everything here is going well. How are you doing? Everybody is good here. I'm ready for the new trivia quiz. The theme today is what? Today we're doing a economic and market update. I'm revisiting some of the questions we discussed at this time last year and just seeing how things have changed. Questions that I undoubtedly missed at this time last year. I'll try to get some answers right, and I'm ready for question number one from Evergreen Golf Call. So the Federal Reserve started increasing interest rates in March of 2022 in an effort to cool inflation and slow down the economy without tipping us into a recession. How many times has the Fed raised rates since March of 2022? Is it seven times, nine times, or 11? It's a lot. I'm throwing seven out. It's either nine or 11. 11 sounds extremely high. I'm going to go nine. So it actually is 11 times. So the Fed has the fastest tightening cycle on record where interest rates have increased significantly. Now we see the two year Treasury around 4.8 percent. So while we don't know what will happen moving forward, if they're going to raise again, if they'll pause or if they'll cut, we think now is a good time to lock in yields on fixed income. And of course, Mitch is in a familiar spot. Oh, for one, I'm ready for question number two. Okay, so in June of 2022, the inflation rate was 9.1 percent, the highest rate in four decades. What's the current inflation rate as of June 2023? Is it 3%, 4%, or 5%? Well, it's way down, but I don't think it's down to 3 so I'll go 4% B again. It's actually 3%. So inflation has come down significantly over the last 12 months. In addition, unemployment has stayed low, under 4%. Right now, it's under 3.6%. What they've been doing appears to have had some effect on these markers. And there I am at 0 for 2. I'm probably staring at another 0% in the face. I'm ready for question number three. Have a little mercy on me, would you please, Katie? (laughs) All right, I'm giving you an easy one this time. So it's a true or false. Both stocks and bonds are up in 2023. Absolutely true. I'm going to get one right, Katie. Ding, ding, ding. That's right. Stocks are up 19% and bonds are up a little over 2%. So this is following the worst year on record for a balanced portfolio that I know we've talked about in the past. So it's been a strong start in the first half of the year. All the ups and downs over the last many years make this a great time to learn more about my partner, Evergreen Golf Call, a one-stop shop for all of your investment needs. Learn about them at evergreengk.com. Unfiltered. Sanders off his back foot, caught first down and more down the sideline. Stop and start, Edwards. Touchdown, Colorado. Play clock just about got to zero. Pass gets the snap off. No question, a fun first full weekend in the world of college football. But let me tell you what wasn't fun, ladies and gentlemen. Tuning in to the CBS highly regarded college football preview show and seeing the shameful performance from our next guest presented by Taco Time Northwest, who's always looking for good people 
to join their team, people who enjoy doing some work, TacoTimeNW.com, Richard Gerald Neuheisel Jr., otherwise known as Rick Shame on You Neuheisel. How are you, Rick? Well, I, I'm fine. <laughs> I, I know why you're disgruntled. Uh, I have absolute uh, ammunition to fight back with, but uh, I want you to present your case you, because I think it's important you, that the fans get your vantage point of this I see. particular topic. I see. You only know half of the reason I'm disgruntled. You don't know the full reason, okay? As if coming to Seattle and our golf course without calling me wasn't enough. You were hanging out with your favorite <laughs> billionaire. I mean, you were hanging out with the big. You couldn't you could dip down as, into the the doldrums with a guy as low brow as New Heisel. As if that wasn't enough. On this particular aforementioned show, asked for his Heisman hopeful picks. I think Rick Neuheisel, our guest, mentioned four different guys. Not even a peep about a certain UW Southpaw. Asked for his national championship playoff contenders. I think he mentioned at least four, maybe five different schools. Not even a peep about his former purple and gold employer. Ladies and gentlemen, he has a new nickname. He's Rick, not even a peep, Neuheisel in New York. Now, now go ahead and defend yourself on all of this. Well, first of all, you know that I am a huge fan of Kalen DeBoer. You know that I'm a huge fan of the Michael Penick story. I've never met Michael, but I'm understanding he's a wonderful young man and all the receivers coming back uh, to be uh, a part of that offense. There's no reason not to think that Washington will fare well, but this is a very, very, very uh, competitive Pac-12. And one thing we know about Heisman candidates is they almost always are participating in the late season drama. Now, as I pointed that out <laughs> on the particular show, I think I said Lamar Jackson was the last one to not have been into the college football playoff. I left out Caleb Williams, last year's winner. And who reminded you of that? You did. You did. Because you love poking the bear, uh, okay. even if it's a very small bear in this case. You pointed that out, and you're right. I had Caleb Williams almost into the playoffs because Pac-12 championship game was a playoff game of sorts. Had they won, SC would have been part of the playoff is my assertion. But you were right. I was wrong. And now we I pay penance for it. Now, this is this is my uh, this is the punishment that you wanted to give me. So I just came home from showing my senior high school to be the University of Texas at Austin. I just spent three days in... What did you think of the 40 acres? What did you think? 110 degree temperatures <laughs> of, in August of the University of Texas. Tell everybody who you picked on this highly regarded CBS preview show to win the Heisman this year. Tell everybody who you picked. I, I picked Quinn Ewers, the quarterback at Texas. Uh, listen, Steve Sarkeesian... You all know in the uh, Pacific Northwest is a terrific play caller. Uh, there may have been some other things that were, you know, you would have liked to have fixed. And we hope for his sake that he's fixed them all. Uh, 
but he's a terrific play caller. And now he has Texas resources in a world where you can accumulate talent with resources, not just your charm and your ability to talk in living rooms, but with resources. And he's done so. A.D. Mitchell, the speedster from Georgia, now has joined the deal. Xavier Worthy returns from a team last year. Isaiah Nair was a transfer receiver from Wyoming who got hurt and missed all of last year, but is a fabulous player. On and on it goes. A defense that looked terrific in their opener against Rice. This is a really good football team. And Quinn Ewers is a star athlete who was without a lot of playing time. Remember, he didn't play as a high school senior. Played sparingly, if at all, for Ohio State in his freshman year. Transferred back to Texas. So last year was his first year getting his feet wet. I just believe he's going to blossom as a mm-hmm. pick mm-hmm. that wasn't necessarily on the mm-hmm. front burner. It would have been easy to say Caleb Williams. It would have been easy to say Michael Penix. It would have been easy no. to say all these guys that had great years last year. I went out on a limb and said, that's my guy, Quinn and, Ewers. And who were the other guys? You mentioned two other guys and I a dark horse. Two other guys and a dark horse. Caleb Williams was my number two. Yes. Uh, because, I, I mean, the guy's Mahomesian. I mean, he's special. And then third, I said Carson Beck, because he's on a team that's going to be in the college football playoffs this year as you and I are sitting here. And didn't you have Georgia, a dark horse? You, I think you and had my a, dark horse yeah. was Devin Brown. Devin Brown is also on a team that figures to be in this conversation, Ohio State Buckeyes. There is right now a two-quarterback race, right? Kyle McCord got the start in the Indiana game, but I had inside information, Mitch, that Devin (laughs) Brown was doing exceedingly well in training camp. He was doing some taco time work (laughs) and would eventually supplant Kyle McCord and would probably be the starter by the time they got to South Bend which is on September 23rd, which is why I throw myself out there making sure that I'm going to look like a genius. Yeah. Nostradamus. Yes. Yes. By the time this all comes to fruition and obviously Devin Brown didn't get very much play at all. (laughs) So I look like a, uh, like a guy who has no knowledge at all. So four men came out of your mouth, four men, my Mount Rushmore. Yes. Four men. And you didn't have the courtesy at the very least, <laughs> just to throw the dog a bone, pardon the pun or pun Literally intended, throw the yes. dog a bone. So I ask you, let's go head to head this year. You and I are going to be together each week for a few minutes. You've Which got I Quinn. look forward I'll ta- to. I'll take fervently. you on. I'll take you on. We'll have a little friendly wager. Who finishes higher in the Heisman Trophy? You can have your winner. You could have your winner. I'll take Quinn yours. I'm not even saying that I think Michael Penix is going to win. I'm just saying that if I was going to mention four men (laughs) on a national pregame show, I would have mentioned Michael Penix. So here's what I'll do. I'll take the underdog. I'll take the guy out here against your winner. And we'll have a friendly wager who's going to finish higher in the Heisman Trophy balloting. And I was thinking about what would be good stakes. What would be good stakes for this friendly wager? And I, I thought- have a very bad history with wagering. <laughs> I'm not sure you read my bio, but uh, I read you your go bio. ahead and choose the stakes. Well, yes. I was going to say first what I want if Michael Penix should outlast Quinn Ewers in the Heisman balloting. I was going to say I want a round of golf at Pronghorn Golf Club, and I know a member. I know a highfalutin member. At least he was a member. Maybe he's not a member anymore. Still a member. Okay. Still a member. I want to, but you know what? That's that's too easy. I want something even more difficult. 
What I want, if Michael Penix finishes ahead of Quinn Ewers, is a guarantee that the next time Rick Neuheisel comes to my golf club and comes to my <laughs> city, that he will just pick up his cell phone, here's one right here, and text his old buddy at the very least and say, hey, Mitchie, I'm in town. I wanted to say hello. That's what I want the stakes to be. If Penix That <laughs> is going to happen regardless of how the outcome of this particular wager. I'm okay. going to do that now okay. that I realize that you're you're <laughs> up for such an affair and won't be having to wear dark clothes and a in a mask before being seen with me. That's without question. You you're on. Penix was unbelievable in week one. Unbelievable in week one. Uh, the entire offense, 56 points to begin a season. Give everybody involved with the Husky offense uh, a pat on the back. They're going to need a running game. They're going to need a running game to go along with it, and they'll develop one as they as they get started here. But that was a brilliant way to begin a season. Mm -hmm. And how did yours start? Ewers was, he threw four touchdown passes. Okay. I mean, statistically, no one's going to really dig that deep into the film, but I was disappointed. He's going to have to play much better. He had open receivers under through him. This is a gifted kid. He's mm -hmm. going to have to be better uh, in Tuscaloosa, but it's a perfect place for Sark to coach him hard this week because while the victory was at hand and four touchdown passes looked the part. There are little things that can get cleaned up. And if they get cleaned up, then, and he has the stage of stages this week in Tuscaloosa. So Levy's ahead of New Heisel after week one? Well, I, if you would like to say that you're ahead, <laughs> I've been an underdog much of my life. I, think I I'm have ahead. no problem with I giving you ahead. the lead. I, I, you're the I, I think I'm ahead. Now, listen, there's no question as to who cornered the market on college football headlines. In weekend number oh one. <laughs> oh, my. Not unlike the headlines that he used to garner during his playing days. And he also has a son who's the quarterback of the team. Everybody is talking about Colorado and what prime time and his son did in week one at TCU. What does Neuheisel have to say about all of that? I take my hat off. I take my hat off and I, I tip my cap. That was a absolutely brilliant performance in week one for a team that has been cobbled together. I mean, literally come one, come all, uh, give me your, your huddled masses. Just give me your guys to have a performance like that, where you're a 21 point underdog with national television and to have been as sh shown as much bravado as Dion shows throughout the course of it, whether it's on his own program, whether it's allowing the cameras into the rooms where he's telling people that uh, your name may not be here. I'm bringing my own luggage on and on. It goes, the guy delivered and it's a tribute to everybody involved. The team looked really well prepared and I'm burying the lead here because the story is Shadur Shadur Sanders. He may have had offers from all the schools they say he had, and I'm not saying that he didn't, but he played in, in a FCS program in the HBCU Jackson State. And so there was going to be a speed change when he plays in at this level in front of that kind of crowd. That team, while not the same team that played against uh, in, in the college football playoff last year, was a college football playoff team. For him to throw for 510 yards, 80%, while throwing 40-some-odd passes, it was unbelievably lofty stuff. And so congratulations. And I cannot wait to see big noon. And the, the big winner was Fox. The big winner was Fox because they bet on this guy. 
they bet on prime. They said, we're going to go big new, not one week, but two weeks. And they've got Colorado and Nebraska. Now it's not vintage Colorado and Nebraska, but it's Colorado and Nebraska. And we all get to just, it's like going back to the future with Marty McFly. We are going back in our DeLorean to watch Pearl street come alive. And it is going to be must-see television. I cannot wait to watch what takes place in Boulder this weekend. Can he sustain this? Well, they're going to have to get a running game. They're going to have to get a little faster on defense. Uh, TCU still scored 42 points. But what a story. And now it is conceivable that they make a postseason, right? The, the start the season, I think the over-under was three and a half wins. You can't help but say, no, they're going way over that. Right, right. They're going way over that. And if they get to six... You're talking coach of the year type stuff headed to the big 12. It's, it's a remarkable story. And Rick George, the athletic director who put this thing together has got to be so proud, but now he's got another problem. Can he keep him? <laughs> because this is going to be a must, uh, a highly sought after circus act. Cause it is must see television. So you and I, Rick, for almost a year, going back to last season, we have been talking about, what the quarterbacks in the Pac-12 are going to be like in 2023, oh. right? We've had that conversation over and over again. You have been previewing me. You have been getting me ready, even though you won't pick one of them on the CBS's highly regarded preview show. You you have been telling me. <laughs> I for, did pick one of them. I took Caleb Williams. <laughs> you, you've been telling me for a year, wait till you see, Mitch, this allotment of quarterbacks. We weren't even talking about Sanders. We didn't even know anything about Sanders. You were listening. And yet, after week one, it was almost impossible. These guys, as a group, could live up to the hype and the billing. And yet, I think they did. Sanders, Williams, Penix. How about Cam Ward at Washington State? Cam Ward, State? 450 yards. The yep. guy at California was good. DJ Uyagalele, if I said it right. Uyagalele. Uyagalele. For 25. I mean, just phenomenal performance. Yeah. So, so the quarterbacks in the Pac-12 are every bit what you told me they were going to be, and then some. And did you see Dante Moore come in and give the Bruins life? I did. The freshman. The freshman. You told me about the freshman. Yeah. Jaden Rashada at Arizona State's going to be a star. This is a remarkable, and if it is to be, and it looks as if it's a foregone conclusion that we are kissing the Pac-12 goodnight. If this is to be the uh, the swan song then by God, let it be the best. And it looks like it is going to be a juggernaut. 13-0, and the only major conference to go undefeated in the first week. And SC's already 2-0. and it, It's a remarkable start to a season. And you know what, Pac-12 fans, get out there and support these teams. Get out there and watch them because you're going to be treated to some great college football. And if the bosses at CBS called you and asked you if you would like to redo your final four, your college football playoff teams, after watching the Sunday night game, the marquee game of week oh. one, Florida State and LSU, should we more seriously consider the Seminoles as a Final Four contender now? As you listen to their crowd, <laughs> yes. and the chop being distributed yes. around that stadium, Camping yeah. World Stadium. Let me just say this. That looked like... Florida State of old. They have assembled a team. And you listen, whether you're into the transfer portal or not into the transfer portal, they've gone out and built a team that is reminiscent of those great Bobby Bowden teams. That looked the part. That was 
really fun to see. And the addition of Keon Coleman, the receiver from Michigan State, is a absolute final straw. Now it resembles the Philadelphia Eagle offense, right? You've got a quarterback that can run just like Jalen Hurts can do it for the Eagles. You've got Jordan Travis. You've got these two beautiful A one number one receivers, not AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Instead, they're uh, Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman. They're, they're phenomenal players. You pick your poison. And Mike Norvell, who's a very accomplished play caller, has got what he wants. So the most nervous fans there were not the LSU fans last night because they don't have to worry about these guys. They get to go back to the SEC. The most nervous fans were the Clemson fans. You're going to say because that. Yeah. Yeah. because that looked like Florida State of old, without question. Mm. I, in the early portion of the game, as as uh, yeah. as you know, LSU looked like they were ready to do battle. It yeah. looked like the national championship game, and I I. I implore those on the college football playoff committee to start and pay attention to this and give points, whether it's a, you know, a, a tote board in your own mind or what have you, you have to give credit for playing in these games because that's is what college football fans want and deserve. Nikki Saban said about his Diet Coke or his Coke can on the podium. He First of all, we now know it's not nailed to the thing. He actually <laughs> left it. It, it, it's, it. It's never moved before, but now we know it's not actually as fixed to the uh, podium. When he was asked about Jalen Milrow, I hope I've pronounced it right, his you quarterback, did. who played very well in week one, they were wondering who was going to take the baton and run with it at quarterback at Alabama. When Nick Saban was asked about the future, of Jalen Milrow, he looked at that Diet Coke or that Coke can and he said, bottle, and he said, that's a soda, not a crystal ball. I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know. He bristled at that question. How about Quinn Ewers, your man, against Alabama and Jalen Milrow? Alabama's a seven-point favorite. I don't know if this is going to be Rick's pick, Rick's first pick. I'm sure you will go somewhere else around the country in your first pick. But what about this game? Everybody's waiting to see it. When I was in Austin taking Ubers around, the Uber drivers were all talking about oh, this game. It's going to be the epicenter yeah. of college football this coming weekend. There's no question about it. Uh, listen, Milrow had great success running the football. I think he averaged close to seven yards a carry. Very efficient uh, throwing the ball over 70% and three, uh, three touchdown passes. But the biggest number for Jalen Milrow was zero turnovers. If there are zero turnovers in this new Tommy Reese offense, and remember, Tommy Reese did not bring the Notre Dame offense with him. Tommy Reese learned the Alabama offense. Mm -hmm. He's speaking Alabamese. Yeah. Uh, so he is trying to address. But the best place to start as you try to cobble together an offense is with a quarterback whose legs are a weapon because it forces defenses into the box. It forces them down to accommodate. When, when there's one back in the backfield, with a quarterback, it's actually two backs. So that extra gap has to be accommodated, which gives you these one-on-one -on -one weapons, which is why Jordan Travis is going to be so successful with Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman. The same can be said with Jalen Milrow as long as he keeps takes care of the ball. If Nick Saban, he said this long ago, can end every drive in a kick, an extra point, a field goal, or a punt, 
they're going to be very, very good and probably in the SEC championship game. If Milrow gets confused and turns the ball over, which was unfortunately a uh, habit of his a year ago, Mm -hmm. then Texas has a chance. I do believe, though, Steve Sarkeesian, knowing all this and watching Texas's defense, which was the more impressive side of the ball in week one, I do believe that Texas will be right there into the final possession. And because I've already said that Quinn Ewers is my guy for the Heisman, uh-huh. I'm taking the Longhorns this uh-huh. week. Take the points. But that's and not the take pick. The Longhorns. But that's not the pick. It's not, not the pick. That's not the, not pick. the pick. Okay. I've okay. got a pick. For we'll you. do that at the end. But first, as everybody knows by now, who's listened to Rick and Mitch over the years, somebody, somebody's got to do some work. We've got to identify somebody from week one, each of us. That was doing some work. Taco Time Northwest always salutes people who are doing some work. And did you know that for new qualified employees, they're now offering child care assistance at Taco Time Northwest? Qualifying full-time employees are eligible to receive up to $5,000 per year to assist in child care. Just one of the many perks Joining the Taco Time Northwest family, TacoTimeNW.com. Now, I have got, I've armed myself with two candidates, one off the beaten path that would be fun to talk about, one that's truly, to me, the doing some work candidate of week one. But I am a a man of courtesy, and I am going to allow my guest to call it in the air and go first. You can take my guy, you can take your guy, Rick Neuheisel, who was doing some Taco Time Northwest work in weekend I, number one? I am going to uh, go first this time. Okay. I'm going to take the ball. I'm that sure okay. of my offensive game plan. Right, listen, let's give credit where credit's due. He, yes, he's flamboyant. Yes, he's been out there. But Deion Sanders delivering as he did and putting together a team as he did, despite, you know, don't hate the player hate the hate the game (laughs) we may not like the guys are having to be moved out of their Mm -hmm. situations to make room for new but that's just the way it is and he did what he was asked to do he delivered the work that was been put in by that by the head coach and his staff is off the charts but i want to take this one step further with the colorado phenomenon that's to travis hunter travis hunter their corner who came there as a cornerback also played wide receiver he's the first player this century that had 10 catches in a game and an interception. He played over 100 snaps in this game, which was close to 100 degrees. I mean, Travis Hunter put on a show and over 100 yards catching in the game. Yes, yes. That, you know, it's, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal feat. Dion, Coach Prime. Yep. And uh, Travis Hunter, his yep. star recruit, who he stole from Florida State at yep. Jackson State, who now is accompanying him to Boulder. They are your taco time worker bees and then some. And they were doing some work, and I'll help you out because he was going to be mine. 145 total snaps. He played every snap on defense, all 80. He played 65 snaps on offense. He caught 11 passes for 119 yards. He had an interception in the red zone. He had three tackles and a pass breakup in a 45-42 upset of last season's runner-up, and he drove the bus home, Travis Hunter, <laughs> is is Rick Newhart. I knew you'd take him, so I had to come up with something fun as a, uh, as a secondary pick for doing some work. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm even going to guess you don't even know 
about the guy that I'm talking about. I mean, you know of him, but you may not. You may have forgotten you've been very busy with the highly regarded CBS college football (laughs) preview show. So I'm going to say, you know who is doing some work? Two men at Cal Poly, Rick Neuheisel, who beat San Diego 27 to 10 in Paul Wolf's first win at Cal Poly. But as you would say, I'm going to go one step further. I knew you would. His star (laughs) quarterback is a guy by the name of Sam Heward, who in his first start, 24 of 42, 364 yards, and a touchdown from Kennedy High School right here in Seattle. So as you take Travis Hunter, I'm going to say, let's tip our cap to Sam Heward and Paul Wolf at Cal Poly. How about that for doing some work? I am thrilled for both those guys. Paul was one of my favorite guys in the Pac-12 when I was there. Uh, we always hung out together. Really happy that he's getting this chance. And certainly for Sam, I know he was a five-star and had all sorts of promise coming there to the Huskies. It was going to be this dream come true for the Heward sure. family. But the chance that he's getting to play and to play like that, that's a terrific start to his uh, to his season there in San Luis Obispo, which yep. is a beautiful town right there on the sea and and, and i would be remiss yes. as we sit there right there by the sea yeah not to say uh, just a tip of the cap to the great jimmy buffett the late great jimmy buffett okay uh yeah. a life well lived uh i i went to 25 shows did That's you really 25 shows in my wow. life i got to sing with him on stage in denver colorado you did fiddler's green i went i got to meet him at the intermission of a show he said hey i hear you play I said, oh, yeah, literally goes, you want to come up? <laughs> As I go onto the stage at the end, my wife finally, who's, my wife is, you know, so calm, so yeah. level-headed. She looks at me and she goes, okay, this is cool. <laughs> As I'm walking with my Stratocaster and I'm walking out to play Margaritaville in front of 25,000 people at Fiddler's Green. Jimmy Buffett and I sing this song. So uh, to a guy that... Uh, made us all laugh, made us all sing. Uh, we're going to miss you. Uh, rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett. A nice tip of the cap. And by the way, the I, I had forgotten that I had noted a third doing some work, if we want to even just mention it. There's a team at Texas State. Oh, stunned Baylor. Bobcats. 42 G.J. Kinney. G.J. Kinney. Kinney debut in his first. Did you see who the quarterback was? I don't know who the quarterback. I know that it was the Bobcats' first ever G. J. win. G.J. Kinney over a team went and got T.J. Finley. Really? <laughs> you can't make that up. G.J. Kinney and T.J. Finley yes. got it done against Baylor. The first ever win over a team from a Power Five conference for Texas State. So they would be an honorable mention. In oh, doing without question. Which takes From- us to the Taco Time Northwest pick. Now, you were uh, recently at Overlake Golf Club, and a member of the Taco Time Northwest family came up to you at Overlake and said two things to you. A, why didn't you call Mitch when you came to town? And B, <laughs> I love your picks with Mitch. He had an exemplary season last year. <laughs> And so the pressure is now on to deliver yet once again. I can only imagine what your father would say. He'd say, uh-huh. yeah, good, good, retire. <laughs> retire from the picking business. We're going to take Colorado. We're taking Colorado. Colorado was a, like a 10-point underdog prior to the season in this game. They're now a three-point favorite. They probably will go up Where's over the, the course of the 
Uh, it's in Boulder. Having watched Nebraska and Minnesota in the opener, and Matt Rule should have won the game, but it didn't. It got away, as every graphic on the Fox telecast kept saying how many one-score losses Nebraska has endured right. over one, two, three, five. They had a graphic for every number of years you can imagine. Nebraska is not as fast as Colorado. One thing Dion has done is brought in some speed. It will be a high-scoring game, but I just imagine this setting and I imagine the stage that Dion and certainly Shadur, I, I just think they blossom again. I, I think uh, it's a victory for uh, Colorado. It's a party in Boulder and I'm, I'm on the Buffaloes. You're on the prime time bandwagon for your week one pick. And uh, we'll see if he starts the year on Mitch Unfiltered 1-0. He's Rick Neuheisel. He's Rick, shame on you, Neuheisel. He joins us each and every week here on the podcast. Thank you so much, Rick. Always a pleasure, my friend. Hey, look who it is. Lindsey Schwartz, Daniel's Broiler, my favorite steakhouse during the summer and any time of year. How are you, Lindsey? How's everything at Daniel's Broiler? Hey, Mitch, doing great. Yeah, it's summertime. We've been so fortunate to have such beautiful weather, have a beautiful summer, July, August. Yep. That means we get to open all the decks and patios. Busy, busy, busy. So let's keep up this great weather. What I can tell you is that when my buddy, old friend Mark Kalkavecchia comes to town the golfer for the Boeing Classic. He's not even in SeaTac Air. I think he's still on the plane when he texts me, hey, can you help me out with Daniel's broiler? Can you help me out with Daniel's broiler? It's a favorite of the golfers that come for the Boeing Classic, isn't it? It really is. A few years ago when Jerry Kelly won, he came into Daniel's to celebrate afterwards, and I was nice. there and saw him and talked to him a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I think the word is out. That's the place to go if you win the tournament. Too bad I didn't teach you a little about the game of golf while he was there. Did you meet him? Did he? No tips? Oh, God. That Yeah, <laughs> I, that would be a full-time job. He already has a job. I don't, I don't think he has time for that. Uh, all right, last time you were on, you talked desserts. I want to focus on appetizers this time around. It's a little controversial in the way that I never want to eat too much before the steak arrives, but you have such good appetizers. I'm torn on that. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know, we, we try to keep them light, so we make that decision easy for you. We don't want to fill you up on the appetizers, but we just try to make them delicious, and I think we've done that. I know that. I know you've talked about the scallops, how you love, love that one. I love the scallops. Yeah, the bacon-wrapped and scallops. Yes. They're so good. I think it's something unique that we do. We, we pick the big jumbo scallops. We wrap them in bacon. We put them on the broiler. It's just a really unique flavor. You get the Sambuca butter sauce, serve it on top of crostini. You got good taste. Those are really, really good. How about some of the other appetizers? I know from experience the popcorn shrimp has gone from a, a Levy Boys favorite as their main course to now they just get a couple of orders before their steaks as they eat me out of house and home. What about some of the other appetizers? Yeah, I mean, the popcorn shrimp are awesome. I think really what makes them is the sauce. It comes with two sauces, the yep. sriracha aioli, which is spicy and delicious, and the lemon aioli is really, really good. And yeah, I've told you before, my kids love that too. Even even now they're grown up, they still got to have it. And your favorite is the crab leg? Yeah, I like the crab legs. I mean, the cool thing about it is if you love crab like I do, but you don't like to have to work for it and crack the crab and wear a bib, they're already shelled. We, we take the, the crab legs out of the shell, the big fry leg, which which is the biggest leg on a crab. Right. And uh, we serve that in a Dijon mustard sauce. Yeah, that's been my favorite. I love that so one. So I guess the uh, the moral to the story is, even if you're not in the mood for a big giant steak, you can go to Daniel's, have a drink, and feast on the appetizers and 
Enjoy some of the great views of the Pacific Northwest. We love Daniel's Broiler. World-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. There's a newness about us. You know, you can feel it. And uh, it's, it's been maybe part of the excitement all along. That The guys are really jacked about being part of the program, being here. I mean, it makes me think of leadership, the other guys that have been around, and, and how they've really kind of given those guys a chance by having really good direction and, and the security of, you know, that we can play with younger guys. The NFL season is here, and it's time to debut another year of the Seahawks No Table on Mitch Unfiltered, presented by Taco Time Northwest, tacotimenw.com. Unflinching, and I'll tell you where I got that word, Unflinching analysis from this year's panel, which includes ESPN Seahawks insider Brady Henderson, as always. And while we're saddened to say goodbye to Joe Fan, our guy Joey No Table, who wasn't comfortable continuing with his blossoming new Vegas venture, a fresh face and voice that Seahawks fans in the Northwest have come to enjoy over many years, Hawk blogger himself, Brian Nemhauser. How are you, Brian? I'm fantastic. If you're going to start by calling me a fresh face, this is going to be <laughs> I'm going to love every minute of this. Nobody's called me that for a long time, Mitch. Brian, how would you put into words the nerves you're feeling right about now for joining such an illustrious panel of uh, Seahawks faces? <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't found them yet. The uh, I'm just looking forward to it, guys. I mean, this is. This is a crew that that I've had a chance to listen to, talk to, uh, play golf with, at least with Brady, not yet with Mitch. But yeah, so I, I, I'm i looking forward to it. I, I'm not feeling the nerves yet, but maybe you guys will change that as we get further into All it. All right. The Seahawks no table will be in session twice a week, as in past seasons, once we get started. Monday shows, Friday shows, patron shows. Taco Time Northwest is offering now child care assistance. Qualifying full-time employees are eligible up to $5,000 per year to assist in child care. And as we tippy-toe up to the Rams game Sunday, boys, let's take a major step back and just get your guys' opinion on where this team is personnel-wise versus where they were when they bowed out of the playoffs a year ago as it pertains to San Francisco. Because the most often asked question, we'll start with you, Brian, last year at the end of the year is, can the Seahawks bridge the gap? There was clearly a chasm between the Seahawks and the Niners at the end of the year last year. How would you define that chasm, more, less, or the same, as we start again? I don't think there's really valid argument to say it's anything but closer than it was last year. You've got a 49ers team that had three draft picks and one of them was a kicker. Who's hurt. Uh, yeah, who's who's hurt. And the, the guy they signed is hurt to play that role. I think the Seahawks look to have had another strong draft. Yes, there's some injury questions, but they also made, uh, you know, I think at least an equaling out move in free agency. Uh, Javon Hargrave is obviously a big move for the 49ers, but other than that, it's been pretty slim. And I don't think the 49ers, people don't talk about some of their weaknesses. I don't think there's a lot that they did to address their weaknesses. And I think they created some new ones. I think their secondary is weak um, or weaker. And I think that their offensive line is a question mark. And I think it got to be more of a question mark this offseason. So, 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 so Brian, yeah. you're saying they're closer because San Francisco came backwards or they're closer because 
they took a step forward and San Francisco came back. All of the above, Mitch. All of the above. I, I think I think the 49ers took less of a step backward. I don't think they took a meaningful step forward. And I think that the Seahawks took a meaningful step forward. And, and we'll see if it's enough. But I think it's hard to argue that the Seahawks of 2023 today are not meaningfully better than the Seahawks that ended the season last year. I agree with that. Yeah. And I think it's worth, you know, restating just how big that gap was last season. I I can't remember the overall point differential, but it was an average of 15 points per game that San Francisco beat Seattle by in in that three game season sweep. And if you look at the position rankings that my colleague Jeremy Fowler did at ESPN earlier this summer, he ranked the 10 best players uh, at every position group. And that was, this was based on league executives, coaches, and players voting. So it wasn't media people. It was the most qualified people voting on this thing. 49ers had eight players uh, in the top 10, and the Seahawks had one player, which is DK Metcalf. Now, again, you can you can argue with the rankings. See, Quandre Diggs probably should have been there at safety. But the point is, San Francisco's got a really loaded roster. I agree with Brian that the Seahawks have closed that gap a little bit, especially uh, up front with the signing of Draymond Jones, who was the type of player that their front seven just badly, badly lacked last season. Bobby Wagner is an upgrade over Cody Barton, albeit a much older upgrade. So the, the gap is narrower. That said, San Francisco still has a really loaded roster. Now, the one area where the Seahawks have a, a really marked advantage is obviously the most important position you can have that at, which is that quarterback. Uh, Brock Purdy's coming off the elbow injury. I think you also, when you're talking about San Francisco's roster, you also got to acknowledge that Nick Bosa is holding out still. And it's, you know, we're, what, six days uh, at the time of recording away from the season opener, and he's not signed yet. So between the quarterback, you know, coming off the major injury, the Bosa thing, that's a lot of distractions for a team that has championship aspirations. The flip side of that is you can go back to the Seahawks. You know, they were fighting each other two days before the Super Bowl 10 years ago, and they won that uh, going away. So talent can overcome different bumps in the road like that. Uh, And the 49ers still have a very talented roster. But I agree with Brian. The Seahawks have done well to at least narrow that gap a little bit this offseason. Well, and part of that, Brady and Mitch, is I think there's two things to really recognize. One is one big difference between the 49ers and the Seahawks is the 49ers talent is established talent. Other than Brock Purdy, you're talking about players that have done it for multiple seasons and have established themselves at their positions in the NFL. The Seahawks, on the other hand, one of the youngest team, you're talking about 20, like almost every draft pick from the last two years of the Seahawks. And they had a lot of draft picks are on this roster and they are still developing. Reek Woolen, who we all know is a very good player, we still don't know in his second season is he going to be better, the same, different. So there's a lot of question marks about, and and that gives the Seahawks more upside, I believe. Uh, The other thing is that the 49ers related to that first item, they have blue chip talent. Guys that are the best at their position or one of the top two or three all pro level players. And they have a multitude of those guys. Seahawks don't really have a lot of guys that have established themselves as all pros. One of the only guys that really has are two of the guys. You got Jamal Adams, who's a major question mark for them. And then you've got Bobby Wagner, who's on the tail end of his career. So the Seahawks young players have to step into not only being good, but being some of the best players at their position to really close that gap. And that's what we're going to have to hope and and see this year. And the other point, when you're talking about the Seahawks as they relate to other teams, and that's what we're talking about here, San Francisco in particular, but other teams in the NFC, you got to take a look at the conference as a whole. Rodgers goes to the AFC, Green Bay takes a fall. Tom Brady retires, Tampa Bay takes a fall. 
Obviously, Philadelphia and San Francisco are good, but I asked the question, who else? Who else really scares you in the NFC? Yeah, Detroit and Minnesota look pretty good. Those NFC East teams look pretty good. But in terms of the conference, Seattle may just leap up a couple of spots because of the transition of the conference. Now, the flip side to that is the two divisions, AFC and NFC, that the Seahawks play this year, no chop liver. Playing the NFC East and the AFC North, you might say those are the that's the toughest draw of the two conferences, the NFC East and the AFC North. So we'll see how it, how it comes out, how it all shakes out in the NFC. Let's talk about the team specifically, Brian. We'll ta- we'll start on offense because I look at this offense pragmatically and say, well, the line looks to be as good, probably better with the two tackles, one year older and a new setter. The wide receivers are better with Smith and Jigba when he ultimately plays. If he doesn't play in week one, they're better as a group than last year. Their running backs are potentially better because you've got the one guy coming back and you've added Charbonnet. The tight ends are the same. So the only potential reason that I can think of that the offense won't be better this year than last year would be one of two things. Injuries, which we can't project. Or Geno isn't as good this year as he was last year. That last year's performance was something of a fluke that won't be repeated. Am I missing any reason to believe that the Seahawks offense won't be better than it was last year? Well, I think there's a couple ways to to think about that. One, I think the biggest question is the offensive line. I think that a lot of folks are just checking marking that as Abe Lucas, Charles Cross had a strong first year. They're just going to get better. I don't think that Charles Cross has yet established himself as a guy who's clearly going to be a pro bowl or better level left tackle. He got abused a few times last year, especially by a guy like Nick Bosa. And I think that they can, but I don't think we know that they can. And I think the, the one of the biggest differences between the Seahawks offense at the beginning of last year, when they were scoring 48 points against the lions was it 37 against uh, the saints or, or whatever it was on the road. And the, the offense at the end of the year where they're just squeaking by against, you know, God knows who's playing quarterback for the Rams in the final game of the season is I think the the interior line really deteriorated and there started to get to be more pressure up the middle. And Gino then was reverting into pressuring through throwing his throws in the bad places. So I think that line is the question mark. I think Damian Lewis is, is seemed to be okay last year. Evan Brown has more sand in his pants as the football guys like to say 320 pounds. Hopefully he is not going to get canned the way jo- little Joey Hunt would get canned by, uh, you know, a Rams defensive tackle. But I think we got to see there. So that's a question mark. The other thing, this is less thing that most people aren't going to talk about, but I do think matters. The beginning of the year, Rashad Penny was part of that running back crew and was great, was great. Uh, five, six yards of carry combined with Kenneth Walker. By the end of the year, they only had Kenneth Walker. This year, Zach Charbonnet, I have some questions about whether he's going to fill that secondary running back role. And I'm not a huge DJ Dallas fan. And, and Kenneth Walker has had injury issues. So those are the two things line play and maybe the running back position are, are ones to But you're not concerned on. that Gino was a fluke last year. At least I'm the not. first the first half of the season. Let's say the first I'm half. I'm not. Of the In fact, 
my expectation is that he is a better player this year. And I, I think most people in fantasy or otherwise are probably getting a good deal on him if they are taking him in fantasy in late rounds. Because I think this guy led the NFC in passing touchdowns last year and did it with a very weak second half of okay. the year performance okay. by himself. I think there's a lot of upside there. No one cares about my fantasy team, but since Brian mentioned it, I will tell you that I have Geno Smith in fantasy there football as my quarterback. No one and that cares tell about you. anybody's fantasy team. <laughs> I only bring that up because that I'm making the point that that's what I think uh, of Geno Smith the season he's going to have. I, Call I realize Joe fan. Call Slickhawk. They're the only two guys in the world that care about your fantasy team, Brady. But I, care, I don't, Brady. Even, I don't even think they care. No, but I, I bring that up to let you know what I think of the season that Geno Smith is going to have. Okay. And I, I realize there are a lot of people who, you know, it is fair to wonder a guy who came out of nowhere last season sure. to make the Pro Bowl. It is fair to wonder if that was only flash in the pan. But it's only fair until you look at how he did that. And this was not like he was in some offense, like he was just totally a product of the system where he's dumping the ball off and guys are running 40 yards after the catch every time. He was making legit big time throws. I mean, he I think he led the NFL in just raw completion percentage. But and then if you go to like the, um, you know, advanced metrics on completion percentage, the completion percentage over expectation, adjusted completion percentage, which factors in drops and all that and the, you know, depth of the target, everything like that shows you that confirms what your eyes told you that he was making really difficult, legit throws that weren't just sort of getting lucky or getting hot for a little bit. Like he, he is, I think a really good quarterback as crazy as that would have sounded uh, to say, you know, a year or so ago. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is like, I think he's got something that he was really missing last season in Jackson Smith and Jigba. And how many times even going back to previous quarterback, uh, the previous quarterback, previous offensive coordinators, have we seen this offense be boom or bust, right? Where they can, you know, rip off a, a long, an explosive passing play uh, or an explosive run, but they can't convert a third and five to save their life. But they've always had the deep threats on the outside. They haven't really had a player, at least since, you know, Doug Baldwin retired after the, what was that? The 2018 season. They really haven't had that solid chain moving receiver uh, that they've got in Jackson Smith and Jigba. So that was one thing that they were missing last season. And it's another reason to think that Geno Smith should be at least as good as he was last season. Let's move to the defensive side of the football. We'll let you start, Brady. Brady Henderson, ESPN.com, the Hawk blogger, Brian Nemhauser. Defensively, still a big question mark for me. I got to see it before I believe it. Two major reasons it remains a question mark. Outside of Draymond Jones, they didn't spend any substantial resources up the middle and and no one played in the preseason tons of injuries Jordan Brooks Daryl Taylor Woolen coming off of injury Jamal Adams not playing I don't know I, I've got to see them somewhat stout up the middle before I can believe that they're better defensively than they were a year ago Brady what should we expect week one against the Rams well, the Rams aren't a very good team, and you're going to be shocked at some of the names. I mean, it's going to look like a preseason game because you're going to say, what are these third and fourth stringers? Like, it's going to be a lot of guys you haven't heard of. They are very much in a, a rebuild. Uh, so I, it's a pretty soft landing, I think, for them. But, I, yeah, I think it's totally fair to wonder about the run defense just because they did make the big move with Draymond Jones. I would say that Jaron Reed was you know, a middle-tier move, a guy who's been a, a at least a solid run defender for most of his career. You know, he's you know getting up there in age, but I think he is a better fit for what they want to do defensively. The fact that they didn't make 
one more big move, even back in free agency and then also on cut down day. I think that tells me that they are counting on some of that improvement to come via the scheme itself. And I think they would tell you that part of the issue last year, obviously, it was a personnel issue. I mean, you saw how many guys that they got rid of either cut or didn't resign and how much turnover they had in their front seven. So obviously, a big part of it was personnel. I think they would also tell you that part of it was scheme and that they tried to bite off more than they could chew in terms of changing the scheme from one season to the next. And it was there was some confusion on the back end. And I also think that is a point worth restating, too, is that as much as we focused on the front seven and rightfully so, you know, part of the issue in their run defense was on the back end as well. And, and think of some of those huge runs that they allowed the Josh Jacobs run in overtime, the oh, Taysom Hill touchdown. I don't run. want to oh, think about it. Oh, God. Nightmare. Yeah, sorry. Derek, Derek uh, Henry. Oh, my yeah, God. Shiba Hubbard. Oh, my God. Yeah, those were <laughs> defensive backs missing tackles. And so that goes back to the Jamal Adams conversation. As much as we think about him as only being an impact guy as a pass rusher, which he is when he's on his game and when they're creating opportunities for him, he can be a big difference maker in the run game. I think even more so this year, whenever he gets back, because you're going to see him basically play a lot of weak side linebacker. Uh, and so that is another point to that whole run defense conversation is Jamal Adams. Brian, he's talking about run defense. I'd like mm-hmm. you to segue. To, I, I, I'm obsessed with the pass rush, as uh, a former coach used to tell me all the time. Are we sure their pass defense is going to be good? Coverage should be good, could be even better than good, depending upon how some of these guys pan out. What's Woolen's second year going to be like? What's Jackson going to be like? Are they ever going to get anything from Witherspoon the first year if he's good? How about pass rush, off the edge, interior push? What do we think of their pass defense? Yeah, I think it's... I think if we start with pass rush, because you're right, Mitch, they're connected. Coverage and pass rush, you know, how much time, how many times Mike Holmgren always talk to us about how those connect and Pete Carroll does the same thing. I think that that you've got to like the edge group. Again, keep in mind, there's a difference between established and young and up and coming. They've got Uchenna Nuosu, who's essentially the veteran of the group, uh, but he is he's pretty much established himself as a good, solid edge player. I think he's above average, had nine and a half sacks last year. And then you've got Daryl Taylor, who I think pretty unquestionably has the most pass rush talent of anyone on that group, but has dealt with injuries and really struggled in run defense. To Brady's point last year, he was a big part of the problem. The edges were where a lot of the gaps were happening in run defense. We focus a lot on the defensive line and for good reason, because I think it's a pretty mediocre group. But I think the edge plays a large role in run defense as well as pass defense. So I like you know, Daryl Taylor is probably one of the most underrated Seahawks uh, on the roster when he can play. He has, I think, the second most sacks in his first 32 games of any Seahawk in franchise history. This guy does get to the quarterback when he plays and he does actually force a lot of fumbles. So I, I like that group. I think Boye Mafe is someone who's going to step forward. I think uh, Derek Hall, I think, has the potential to be you know, maybe a little Frank Clarkish. Um, I think he's got a little bit of that power to his game that will play early. So I, I think the edge group is an interesting group. Uh, I think they can be above average. And then you've got a, a secondary that you talked about. Here's the thing, guys, with this secondary. We talk about the corners a lot, Witherspoon, all this stuff. That's great. But this is one of the most interchangeable groups in the secondary guys that can play safety nickel corner um so jamal can play edge 
Uh, so I think that the, the Seahawks are going to put schemes out there that maybe are going to be a little bit, I don't know if they're going to be revolutionary, but they are going to be different. Unorthodox, right. You're yeah. going to see, you know, three safeties. You're going to see six defensive backs a lot. I think they're going to play dime more than maybe any other team in the NFL. Yep. And I think that they could confuse uh, opposing OCs and, and quarterbacks with how they play that. Yeah. And they have to get, uh, if you want to call it creative, that's fine. But they, they have to do something different with Adams than what they tried to to do in 2021 let's revisit how his seahawks career has gone so far 2020 he comes over in the big trade has nine and a half sacks uh in 12 games single season record for a defensive back and then he plays 12 games the next year and doesn't have a single sack so ask yourself what really happened there did jamal adams over the course of one offseason just forget how to be a good pass rusher no of course not what happened was the seahawks uh defensive coaches Failed to put him in advantageous blitzing situations. You saw offenses adjust to what Seattle was doing, and they did not do a good enough job of adjusting back. And that was going to be the whole plan uh, going into last season was we're going to see Adams play a lot closer to the line of scrimmage, basically be weak side linebacker. He's going to bounce around uh, before the snap to try to create you know confusion and to, to make it less predictable uh, where he was going to be uh, because they, had, they realized they had to do something then just you know, walking him up to the A or B gap and say, okay, here's what I'm doing. Stop it if you can, because they uh, offenses did stop it. And so that is what you're going to see with Adams this year is you're going to see him play a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. Obviously, that maximizes his strength, minimizes his deficiency in pass coverage. The idea is you're going to they're going to make it less predictable uh, as to what he's going to do. Do you really think that he's the seems going to be better with him on the field at linebacker than Jordan Brooks, let's say, or Devin Bush. Like I have some questions about people say he's going to play linebacker. Is that going to make them better when he's out there? I think once Jordan Brooks gets his feet under him and once he really gets, you know, like in midseason form, then I think you're probably going to see Jordan Brooks as the linebacker uh, in nickel and you're going to see Adams play next to him. I, I, I think at the beginning of the season, it's probably going to be Bobby Wagner just because I can't imagine they're going to have Jordan Brooks out there for 60 snaps a game coming off an ACL injury from January 1st. But I think eventually, yeah, it makes more sense to put Jordan Brooks on the field or maybe even Devin Bush, but probably Jordan Brooks getting that speed on the field over Bobby Wagner. Brady, let's get to the Brady Henderson index on who's going to play this week. We record this still six days away. Um, leave Witherspoon to the end of the spiel because I'd like to follow up on Witherspoon and why he's not out there, the lingering hamstring, and whether there's any possible quiet frustration in the building about Witherspoon's absence from uh, the practice field. Who do you feel like is going to play, who's not going to play on Sunday? Yeah, Pete Carroll has been pretty adamant that Jordan Brooks is going to be ready by week one, okay. barring a, a setback. And then Joel Adams, he Pete Carroll was on uh, KJR last Friday and said that Adams is not going to play uh, in week one. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if it takes another week. He didn't say that, yeah, he's going to be back by week two. He just said it's whenever he returns, it's not going to be in the opener. So, And then Devin Witherspoon is the other guy you asked about, said that uh, it's going to be a race. That was a quote. It's going to be a race for him to be ready by week one. As we all know, Pete Carroll tends to look at injury situations and everything else with a pretty optimistic eye. So if he's implying that it's unlikely, then it's very unlikely. Yeah, but Brady, that's funny that you should say that. He's also, un-Pete Carroll-like, gotten a little testy with questions about Witherspoon, which tells me something. Because as you say, 
He's very rosy and always paints a good picture. I don't remember which day it was that you guys were out there that somebody asked about Witherspoon and he was saying, that's all I got to say. I got, I got nothing more to say. Almost to say maybe some people in that building frustrated that because he was supposed to be back a while ago. Everybody thought he'd be back by now. And add to that how glowing he's been about JSN getting out with the cast on his wrist right. or whatever and how, right. how tough he's toughing it out. Contrast those two. Yeah. What about it, Brady? You think there's some uh, some uh, disappointment in the in the building that we're not hearing about? I, I have not picked up on that. And then you know, back to the the day that you mentioned, the Pete Carroll press conference that you mentioned, he was being vague about all injuries. It, it was there's sort of this weird period. Uh, I think usually the week before week one where he just sort of is vague on injury situations for whatever reason. So he, that was the case with other players we were asking about. It, it wasn't just Devin Witherspoon. That said, going back a week earlier, he did say that Witherspoon was on track to begin practicing last week, and he did not do that as far as we know. He wasn't out there, so he is has taken longer than they anticipated. I haven't picked up on any sort of okay. you know frustration beyond right. what the frustration you would expect. So, Brian, are Seahawks fans allowed to watch the Eagles and Jalen Carter as we wait for Devin Witherspoon to come back to the fold? Are we allowed to even watch, or do we put our hands over our eyes and pretend that we're not watching? What's happening? This is this is a conversation among a lot of Seahawks <laughs> fans right now. How you like, hey, the, the, it's over, it's happened. Don't don't oh. relive history. You know, you know, uh, uh, this is a lot. In some ways, it feels like Creed Humphrey D. Eskridge all over again for some bigger. people. I don't think bigger. it's like that. It's bigger than that because it's first uh, round. You know, it's, yeah. it's funny. I, I understand, Mitch. I, like, I understand the reasons this time. Like, I, I don't think that it was defensible when they picked D. Eskridge over Creed Humphrey. I was pretty clear about it right at the moment it happened. In this case, I really wanted Jalen Carter to be the pick for a lot of reasons. He didn't even run and finish his pro day. Can you imagine Pete Carroll having anything more antithetical to his always compete philosophy than a guy that can't even be bothered to be in shape for his pro day? At that point, it just seemed so hard for them to get over that hump to pick this guy. So, yes, do I wish he was the pick? Yeah. Do I think that Devin Witherspoon is one? Do I think it's understandable that they didn't make that pick? Yes. Two. Do I think Devin Witherspoon can be great in his own right? I do. I, I think okay. I think people are sleeping on this guy. Okay. We've come to the end of the uh, of the no table. And what everybody needs to know is we are not going to be with you this week because they haven't played a game. So the next time we're together will be after game one when we can reflect upon the Rams game, and then we'll get into Patreon shows the following week, which means it's the beginning of the closest to the pin contest, where the three of us tell us the final score of the upcoming Seahawks game, in this case, against the Rams, and we find out who's closest to the pin, and we award one point each week to the one of the three of us that gets closest to the pin on the final score of the game. Now, you got to get the right team winning. If you don't get the right team winning, you've missed the green, so you can't possibly win the KP. So there's going to be times that none of us get a KP. Should we allow the newcomer, the wet behind the ears guy, Brady, go first, or should we let him go last? Yes, what please, you- because I'm looking up the Vegas line right now. I wasn't prepared to do this, so <laughs> well, Brian, you, take, us, when, when take as much think- time as you need, my Maya, friend. thanks, guys. Thanks. Really appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'll go first, then. Hell, I'll go first. Let the hosts go first, because I think the Seahawks, based on their injuries, 
have almost the perfect opponent in week number one. You get the game at home, so you get the juice of the home crowd. You get the team probably without Cooper Cup. We're finding out that he's seeing specialists over the weekend. Very unlikely to play. And you've got a team in the Rams. And while I don't think anybody really puts a lot of stock in preseason results, they were horrid. In pre- they were the worst team in the NFL in preseason for whatever that means. They lost by 17, 17, and 41 in their three games. They've got guys all over the place in their depth chart that I've never heard of. There's no Jalen Ramseys anymore. There's no Leonard Floyds anymore. There's a a certain defensive tackle that's going to play and probably disrupt things. But you look at their corners, never heard of them. They're in their second year with no starts. I can't imagine that based on all of that, this isn't a soft landing for the Seahawks in game number one. Seahawks 34, Rams 17 is my official KP selection. Brady, you go second. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I will say 24 to 17. Yeah, I don't know how much explanation this needs because I've already uh, stated my piece about the Rams. They're not a good team. Uh, It's going to be a lot of no names. I think Cooper Cup, that is an especially big absence when you consider uh, the uncertainty as to who is even going to play nickelback for the Seahawks. We know that Tariq Woolen is going to be starting at right cornerback, but we don't know who's going to be their left cornerback or their nickelback. I think at this point, it's probably safe to say that, at least for that opener, that Kobe Bryant is going to be their nickelback. At any rate, that is a huge player to not have to face because he's probably the best slot receiver in the NFL, and he's one of their only blue-chip guys on that roster. So uh, what did I say, 24-17? to 17? Yeah, that's, that's kind of close. Score. And let me help you, Brady. Mike Jackson on one corner, Kobe Bryant in the slot. Go I wouldn't Bryant. be surprised if Trey Brown starts at left nah, you wanna, you wanna, Brown. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add that as part of my prediction. Okay. 24-17 and Trey Brown you, starts you at You want to have a, a friendly wager? I say that Mike Jackson is starting on that corner over Trey Brown. All right. Friendly wager. Friendly we'll wager. shake on it. And by I'll the take way, that action by the on, way, by the on way, Brady's side. By the way, that's that's the same Mike Jackson who my friend Brady and others that cover the Seahawks said was literally the best player on the team, the defensive team during training camp until a couple of preseason games. All right, then then why wouldn't he be the starter on the uh, uh, opposite of Reek Woolen. Go ahead, Brian. I've interrupted enough. You, All right. I made, a rookie, I made a rookie mistake. What was your pick, Mitch? 34-17. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. A lot of guys that you, we don't know on the, the Rams. There's a few names we do. Aaron Donald will play. He didn't play in either game against the Seahawks last year. Matt Stafford will play. Didn't play in either game against the Seahawks last year. And Sean McVay will coach. So he's typically owned Pete Carroll. I think his offense is pretty straightforward. I think that while I would like to say this is going to be a big blowout for all the reasons I think you guys have mentioned, I think it's going to be closer than we like. I think the Seahawks get started a little more slowly, especially on offense. So I've I actually had it 23 16 was the score I had before Brady gave his. But it is it's the same. So so pretty close there. I think the Seahawks will win. I think it'll be close. I would like to add a bet that probably makes no sense for me to, because I'm not at the practices like Brady is. I think Artie Burns might get uh, elevated from the practice squad for this game and play a decent amount of nickel instead of Kobe. Okay, Brown. so we have 24-17 from Brady, 23-16 to from Brian, and I'm the most bullish on the situation, 34-17. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the first... No table of the season. We miss Joey No Table, Joe Fan, but we love having Brian 
on the panel. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, guys. And there he is, Brady Henderson, always a part of the Seahawks No Table. Thank you, Brady. You got it. Thanks, Mitch. Hey, it's time for a little visit from Zeke's president, Dan Black. How's your summer been, Dan? I feel like you're somewhere different every time I reach out to you. It seems that way probably because I am a lot. The Black (laughs) family's fortunate to have a bunch of great family spots for the summer. And I have been in Seattle a lot, partly for work. But also, my favorite thing this summer is that my neighborhood, Little League, is making a run to the Little League World Series. Ah, Northeast Seattle Little League and Shoei, huh? Yeah, no, I heard you had Shoei on. But you know that he's just riding off the coattails of all of his past. (laughs) great nestle coaches so what they're doing is amazing and sports can be such a great source of community pride and here's a pizza guy that's going to plug another pizza place we've all been down at varlamos watching the games and you know the whole neighborhood's there and everybody's so proud and stuff but yeah what an awesome thing listen in your absence i've talked a lot about the new zeke's pizza app which makes delivery so easy from zeke's What's been the response, Dan? Um, The response has been good. All technology has its things and stuff, but when you just look at ratings and adoption, the new app has been a huge improvement over the old app. You know, the other thing that's been improved is just ordering straight online at Zeke'sPizza.com. So between the app and our online website, digital ordering's never been easier at Zeke's. The customer interfaces are really intuitive and easy to use. does the basic stuff like remember your past orders and stuff so no we feel like it's been a really good success so football season is here and uh, you guys over at zeke's love football season because football season kind of means pizza what's pigskin 10 we get excited for football season at zeke's yeah like you say because hey we're football fans but it is a great pizza season as well and so if you remember when we did march madness we did a promo called hoops 10 which got you ten dollars off your order and it was one of the most popular things we've ever done with customers and operators, Zeke's operators. And so we're going to do something similar for football season. And so, yeah, the code pigskin10 is going to be active all football season and on what we call football days. So on Saturdays, Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays, all day, mm-hmm. pigskin10 will get you $10 off your Zeke's order. There's an order minimum of $30 after the discount, but it's good for delivery. It's good for pickup. It's good for in-house. If you're in-house, you just mention it to a crew member and they'll apply the discount. But yeah, no, Pigskin 10, it's going to be awesome. $10 off your order all football season on football days. That's great. Pigskin 10, enter it on the app or online, or if you go into the store, make sure you mention Pigskin 10 on a football day to your Zeke's Pizza representative. We love Zeke's Pizza homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Every time the New York Jets lose a game this season, with Aaron Rodgers on the starting line, Jack's American Pub will pay everyone's bar tab. You must start your tab 15 minutes before the game and stay the whole game. If I happen to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on a Sunday during the football season, do me a favor, would you? And remind me to visit Jack's American Pub on East Brady Street in Milwaukee. Joining us on Mitch Unfiltered is the owner of Jack's, Scott Schaefer. How are you, Scott? I'm doing great. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, totally. So before we let our audience in on maybe my favorite restaurant promotion ever, I want the history of Jack's. Who is Jack? What's the restaurant all about, Scott? Well, uh, Jack's is uh, a bar I opened after my brother. My brother passed away, and he gifted me my first bar. 
and uh, I named my second bar after him. That's nice. Jack's is a sports bar, um, east side, kind of the college campus area where a lot of people go out on. Uh, busy bar street, but we uh, focus on sports. Very busy with Bucks games, Brewers games, and Packer games. Two large 200-inch screens that we, we put all our games on, and uh, we like to run a lot of good promotions. Nice. And if Mitch Levy from Seattle was going to visit one time, Scott, for one meal, what am I having? Uh, I would definitely do the Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Okay, tell me about the Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Make my mouth water, please. <laughs> <laughs> Hand-breaded chicken breast uh, topped with our house-made Nashville hot sauce. It's spicy. It's good. Got a little coleslaw on top. Nice. Uh, it's one of my favorite sandwiches. All right, Sundays during the NFL season. I'm not much of a drinker, but I can drink for free at Jack's. It's called Jets Lose, You Win. Tell us about the promotion. So the promotion is if uh, you show up to Jack's 15 minutes before the game starts, we'll be handing everyone out a wristband, and you can uh, watch the game, enjoy whatever beverages you like. And at the end of the game, if the uh, Jets lose, you win, and we will cover your drink tab. Oh, this is crazy. Now, we'll get to the rules in a second, the, the, the fine print in a second. But... I'm a little confused because you're encouraging fans to root against Rodgers and the Jets, but you, Scott, won't you be rooting for Rodgers so you don't have to hand out all these free drinks? Is this a, is this a jab at Rodgers? Is this a... Is this praise? Is this? I mean, how should he take this when he finds out about this? Well, that's the best part. I think he'd take it many different ways. Uh, you know, here in Wisconsin, Aaron Rodgers, was, he was coming and going for so many years to the end where a lot of people, I think, we're to the point now where, like, we're just happy to move on. We got Jordan Love. But at the same time, Aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal quarterback. Uh, and it's more than Rodgers. You know, they, they have Lazard and Cobb, former Packer players, and um, that he all took with them. So, I mean, people want the Jets to lose. But I think Rodgers is very talented. I think he's going to be very good. So I thought it was a fun play for, for both sides. Do you want the Jets to lose? Do you want Aaron Rodgers to lose and have to pay out all these drinks? Or do you want Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and the Jets to win? What's the secret here? Scott? You know, I, I, hope, I hope Rodgers is the best, and I hope he wins a bunch of games. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of people that hope Rodgers does terrible and, and they lose a bunch. But um, <laughs> I'm have to say I'm a Jets fan all of a sudden. <laughs> You've gotten a ton of publicity on this. I mean, it's everywhere. It's in the local newspapers. It's around the country. We're talking about it out here in Seattle. Do we know whether Aaron himself has learned about this promotion yet, Scott, or not? I, we have no idea if he has or not, but I'm pretty sure he has. And should he take it as a compliment or a jab? Uh, I think you take it both ways, but I think he should take it as a compliment. <laughs> all right. How about the uh, fine... The fine print, the rules. So you've got to be there 15 minutes before the Jets kick off, correct? That's number one. Rule one. Number two, there can't be a Packers game on at the same time because that would cause a lot of commotion. You're obviously going to show the Packers game. So that's four times during the season. That leaves 13 Jets games that are not on opposite of Packers games. That's rule number two. Aaron Rodgers has to start the game. Does he have to finish it? Nope. I just have to start. Just have to start. Now, I get there 15 minutes before game time, and I start drinking. And my party of eight starts drinking. And we start drinking. And we keep drinking. And the end of the game comes, and the Jets lose. You're telling me every every drink that I had, if it's not top shelf alcohol, which I don't, I don't even know what that means. You'll have to explain to me what that means. You're a bar guy. I'm not. 
Um, every, <laughs> every drink that I have, every drink at my table for the entire three hours is free, Scott? That's exactly what we're saying. As long as everyone at your table is there uh, 15 minutes before kickoff, uh, we will um, top all your drinks, not your food, just your drinks. That's crazy. That's gonna co- <laughs> that could cost you. Have you put pencil to paper and gotten out a calculator and try to figure this out, Scott? This sounds like a very costly. Because I don't. By the way, I don't think the Jets are going to be as good as everybody else thinks they're going to be. I think they're going to lose a bunch of games. This could be very costly for you guys. No, did you have insurance? How does it work? Uh, no, we we did the cost of what how this possibly could look. You know, we're very comfortable to say we hope, you know, if they go 500, we'd be very happy. And I think they might go better than 500. There could be some downside to it, but there's no, no difference when we do a marketing campaign or how we get our brand out there, how we get specials rolling. Right. That costs money, too. So we're just spending money in a different way right now. That's interesting. So you're thinking every time they win, you're going to have big business every time they win because people are going to be there 15 minutes before the game starts. They're going to be drinking and drinking and drinking, hoping that they lose, and then bam, they win, and and that's going to balance out on the days that they lose, something like that. Very Correct. Good. What's top? Yeah. What's top shelf alcohol, Scott? That's not included in the deal. What does that mean? We have some higher end tequilas and bourbons I and. Vodka, and this, your normal drinks will cover. Uh, you know, if you want to get fancy and start you know, finer bourbons and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, those are off limits. And this starts on Monday night, right out of the gate. Monday night football. I don't know what your crowd would normally be like on a Monday night where the Packers aren't playing. You're going to have, I would think, a full house because people are looking at this Bills-Jets game. If there's going to be a game the Jets are going to lose, it's probably going to be the Bills. So you should have a big a big turnout on Monday night. Yeah, that's exactly what, that's exactly how we looked at the schedule. We came up with this plan was is that it couldn't happen any better way because Packer games we're busy. We're, we are a Packer bar. We're we're packed to the house every Packer game. But when the Packers aren't playing, sure there's some interest in it, but it isn't like uh, you know when you watch a Packer game, our emotions are involved. It's our team. Right. Well. There's going to be some emotions involved now in the Jets' play. So we're going to drum up a bunch of business for when the Jets are on TV. Who came up with the idea, Scott? Was it you or somebody on your staff? And tell a little bit of, about the kind of publicity and the kind of commotion this has stirred in your hometown. Uh, you know, there, there was a, I would say, um, I went to a couple other places, and one of the managers of another spot wanted to give away uh, cheese curds every single time. Rogers threw an interception or fumble. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say I'd give him the credit for giving me the idea of, it's a great idea. We should do something with the Jets. So we sat down as a group and we we're discussing this. And some of us were, how will we count five bar tabs? We'll randomly pick them. And that's why I said, I said, why don't we just do them all? We'll go all in on this and come up with it. It's short. It's simple. It's not clouded. It is what it is. If the Jets lose, you win and we'll cover your tabs. How about the publicity? Insane. Uh, we never expected it. We were hoping some local stations would pick up on it. We never thought it would go nationwide. We are on Fox today, Fox News today, and cable TV. It's everywhere, so, which is really exciting, which is to say that uh, I, I don't think we can lose at this point. If, if the Jets do lose, well, there's great publicity that came from us. If they go five and eight, what's your uh, exposure? Five and, five and eight, what's your uh, exposure? Uh, five and eight, it probably cost uh, about 50 grand. This contest, does this speak for most Packers fans after all the years in Green Bay? You know, we had a very similar situation with Russell Wilson last year. He went to Denver. Now, we all rooted against Russell Wilson for a lot of reasons, the biggest of which is that we got in Seattle, the Seahawks got, 
their first-round draft choice, and something similar is happening with the Packers, right? If Rodgers plays 65% of his team snaps this year, the Packers would get the Jets' first-round pick, and of course, the more that the Jets lose, the higher that pick is. Right. And that's why this plays really, really well in, into it also. Because Packers fans are invested in that interest of it all. You know, we're stung by Brett Favre. We still feel that Brett Favre days. Brett Favre went to the Jets. Mm-hmm. So now Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's, he's following suit. And I think a lot of people are, are just are frustrated with him coming or going. No one knew what, what he was doing. That plays into it also. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think Wisconsin fans are, are sick of, uh, of hearing about Aaron Rodgers. Is Jordan Love going to be any good? You know, he's shocking me right now. Some of the, some of the, you know, the preseason games and, and his composure, I'm excited to see how he does. I, I, I don't think we're going to be a great team this year, but I think there's, we're going to have something to watch. And you've got a sister restaurant on a golf course who's doing something similar, right? Yes, that, and that was the, the place uh, you were that kind of just jumped up from. Okay. Yeah, and that's a Wanakee golf course. We have a good Packer crowd out there. It's it's in the suburbs of Milwaukee, sort of a quieter area. So it's not a big enough spot to run a promotion like this. Right. What are they doing? What are they doing? They're doing if Aaron Rodgers fumbles or throws an interception, we're going to give out a free drink token. A free drink to everybody every time he throws an interception or he fumbles the ball away. The name of the restaurant in Milwaukee, by the way. I don't know if any of our listeners ever find themselves in Milwaukee, but what a nice guy. What a nice story. What a fun idea. Sticking his neck out, Scotty Schaefer. The name of the place is Jack's American Pub in Milwaukee on Brady Street. He's Scott Schaefer. I wish you all the best. I got to tell you, Scott, as a Dolphins fan from South Florida originally, I'm rooting for you to lose a lot of money, Scott. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> well, hey, I, I don't like to bet against Aaron Rodgers, okay. so uh, I, I like where we're at, and I think there's be a lot of excitement. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for being on Mitch Unfiltered. No worries. Have a good day. It's been a while since we caught up with Jordan Flowers, my main man of the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. How's everything going in Jordan's world? Hey, Mitch, it's going fantastic. I'm uh, chasing old Mitchie in the Manager of the Year Award for Little League Baseball. How many teams you got over there? You know, I was the manager of two, both my 10 and 8-year-old. Uh-huh. And I got to say... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be giving you a run for your money, Combined man. Combined record? Oh, gosh. We only lost probably six games. Oh, that's six more season. than I lose. I don't lose. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. All right, let's talk about the market, the buying and selling market. It's not easy these days, but it's still doable, especially for home buyers. Give us your analysis, Jordan. Absolutely. Uh, inventory is still a little tight, but better than it was. But we are winning a lot of offers and using that 2-1 buy-down program we've talked about. Tell me about that program. Yes. So basically what we do is we are negotiating with the sellers, getting a price that they want, getting a credit towards uh, closing costs for our buyers. And they use that credit to then temporarily buy down the interest rate for the first two years of the home. So we get through this kind of elevated interest rate period with a 2% lower rate than what market is at. Are people still buying second homes and investment pieces? And what do you have to offer those types of clients? Yeah. People are buying in Arizona, California, Eastern Washington, kind of all over. We're helping people buy second homes and investment properties. 
properties. We've got a couple great options for the investment property buyer, uh, especially uh, using that debt service underwriting ratio that we've talked about in the past where they don't even need to provide tax returns. Really what we look for is qualifying our buyers off of the cash flow of the property. So it's a great program right now for people looking to pick up investment properties at good prices, get an income producing property. Is there a way to have a best guess of what the next six months or a year look like? Does Jordan Flowers have a crystal ball? <laughs> I thought I had a crystal ball, but you know. <laughs> Is it Ernie Zampezi's story? I'm not going to say when. I'm just going to know it's coming, right? Like, we're going to get through this, and they're coming back down. I think, I think we should expect for the rest of this year rates to maintain in the 6% range. Maybe we see them by the end of the year get back down in the fives. But I will say when they do come back into the low sixes to mid fives, it will again, open up floodgates for buyers and for sellers bringing properties on. So there is pent up demand. It's sitting there and it's just, we're, we're waiting. Well, I've always loved Jordan Flowers and his team at uh, both companies, not Cross Country Mortgage, the Woodenville office, because they're willing to take your phone call and be creative. Think outside the box and to reach you on a phone that doesn't have a full voicemail, Jordan Flowers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I just got a new phone. Okay. My kids like to tease me that I'm the no upgrader. Okay. I don't upgrade my phone. Okay. I've had the same one for six years. All right. And I've now upgraded and I'm setting up the voicemails. Everything's going to be Phone number? Here. Same phone number? Give us the number, please. 425-890-2957 is the best one to reach me on. The Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage and JFlow, Jordan Flowers. Without guys like him and companies like theirs, where would Mitch Unfiltered be? Cross country mortgage unfiltered episode 253 the other stuff segment hot shot scott university place washington hello <laughs> yes lakewood washington oh hello. lakewood yeah how about Parkland, Washington, where PLU is? Parkland, Washington. My old uh, stomping grounds. Every time I go to the 7-Eleven, there was always cops there because it was robbed. I can't believe we made it this long on episode 253 where we haven't spoken about your boy, Dion. Prime time, Neon Dion Sanders. Prime time. You said he was going to be a problem. He is going to be a was problem. Was he a problem in week one for TCU, the national runners-up the the previous year or not? Look, it's not my style to toot my own horn, Mitch. Um, <laughs> you but, know yeah. a little something about sports, don't you? A little something, <laughs> yes, I do. If I actually watched him, imagine how much I would know. But how about his son? 510 yards and the guy that we've talked about. Do you remember talking about Travis Hunter? Remember me bringing up yeah. Travis Hunter on the show? Jackson, he went to Jackson State, right? Like, he was one of the top five recruits in the nation at right. high school. Yeah, yeah. And everybody in the world, Alabama, Florida State, everybody wanted him. And he went to Jackson State oh, yeah. to play for Deion Sanders. We were like, "How? okay, how did that happen? How did like the number one player in high school football <laughs> go to Jackson State? So now primetime Deion Sanders goes from Jackson State to Colorado. And who goes with him? Travis Hunter. Yeah. Did you see what he did in the first game? No, I didn't. I saw the score, but I was working. I didn't see. Okay, well, you know his son threw for five hundred. That yards. I know. Yes. All Travis Hunter did mm -hmm. was play all eighty snaps on defense as a defensive back, Jeez. and sixty-five snaps on offense as a wide receiver. In a hundred degree weather, he caught eleven balls for one hundred nineteen yards, <laughs> had an interception in the red yeah. zone, and had three tackles in a pass breakup <laughs> at TCU. Pretty good recruit. To One get. guy. P pretty good guy to go out and get. Does anybody play both ways like that anymore? There's, 
There's high schools that don't play both ways for some reason. If I told you that there was a guy who plays both ways, who would he be playing for? Right. You would say Deion Sanders, yes. of course. When I saw Dion go out and get him at Jackson State, and then he went to a bigger school, I'm like, forget it. He's just going to keep getting these guys. And I thought they'd be good maybe in a couple of years. Or, and again, maybe they won't be good this year, but it's a pretty good start, right? Well, pretty good start. They're going to be better than everybody thought they were going to be this year. They yeah, already are. Right. And Dion Sanders says in the press conference after the game, people were asking about Travis Hunter playing both ways, you know, catching the 11 balls and having the interception. And he was like, yeah, Travis. Went into the transfer portal. Everybody offered him a million and a half to come to their schools. Everybody was offering him a million and a half. <laughs> Just letting it out Deion there. Deion Sanders, yeah. the only guy who actually stayed the number. A million and a half to this team, a million and a half. But he didn't take it. He came here for a lot less than a million and a half because Travis isn't all about the money. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what his next deal is after this season. Uh, Dion is – he's – He's kind of annoying. I mean, he's he seems like the world's biggest blowhard. <laughs> There's something about him that just drives me nuts. But God, he just put out a pretty impressive opening victory he against sure a, a freaking playoff team. He deserves so a lot of credit. He does yes. All right, go ahead. You're up. The Nebraska football player Eric Gilbert. You see this? No ugliness. No. Well, he was arrested after cops say he forced his way into a liquor store and burglarized the place for sixteen hundred dollars worth of merchandise. Caught red-handed. He looks so surprised when the police show up. He's 6'5", 300 pounds. And, and who does Nebraska play this week, Hotshot? Great question. The aforementioned Colorado Buffalo. Oh, really? It's the Buffaloes and the Nebraska Cornhuskers on national TV. Isn't Nebraska pretty bad now, though? Kind of, but Colorado hasn't been good for a lot of yeah, years. That's but true. the whole world will be watching Deion Sanders' second go-around. Well, we'll yeah, yeah, for sure. I saw Jackson State was on ESPN. They were. Yeah. You think that was maybe booked a little prematurely? <laughs> They're like, holy shit, Dion's leaving now and we got this cockamamie game on ESPN. <laughs> anyway. Oh, dear. Not, not a good look for Nebraska football. The coach said it's uh, disappointing that his player would break into a vape store and steal a bunch of stuff. So, Are you ready for, for the most important other stuff news item in the history of Mitch Unfiltered? Wow, that's saying something. How many other stuff segments have we done? Uh, 200 and something or other. Yeah, about 253. Yeah, well, I wasn't for all of them, but yeah. What I'm about to read to you is the most important other stuff note in the history, the five-year history of Mitch Unfiltered. Are you ready? And I've done a lot of stories about things in guys' asses. Yes, you have. This trumps them all. Really? Okay, all right. And I'm just going to read it straight from the story. I'm not going to pontificate. I'm not going to give you my opinion. I'm just going to read you the note which is the most important note that you're going to hear from me in another stuff segment in 253 shows. Okay. When Joe Montana retired, he was widely regarded as the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Yep. Montana has since been surpassed in the opinion of most NFL observers by Tom Brady. But Montana says neither he nor Brady is the best quarterback of all time. Dan Marino... <laughs> is the best quarterback in NFL history, Montana says. In Montana's view, Marino deserves the nod because he put up modern-looking passing numbers in an era when the sport hadn't evolved to make passing easy as it is now. Yeah. In Marino's greatest season, 1984. I remember. 
5,084 yards and 48 touchdowns. Those numbers are comparable with the MVP winning stats of Patrick Mahomes last season, 52-50 and 41 touchdowns. And Mahomes had a 17th game and a much, much more quarterback-friendly environment to play in thanks to years of rules and strategy changes benefiting quarterbacks and wide receivers. And I quote Montana, put Marino in today's game where he gets free release his receivers were not very big. Now these guys are 6'4", 6'5". I think Marino is probably one of the most unsung heroes in the history of the game. People don't talk enough about him or realize the numbers that he put up during the times that he put them up. He had a quick release, says Montana. I had to step into a lot of things to get enough force on the ball. He had the perfect torque of his upper body and strength to deliver the ball quickly at a fast release with accuracy. No doubt in my mind, Dan Marino was the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, we've done important notes on the other stuff segment. <laughs> yes. And we've had, you've heard me joke around, and we like to joke around. Oh, sure, yeah. Every once in a while, somebody of major credibility speaks. Now, who else would you listen to more seriously? Talk about the greatest quarterbacks of all time yeah. than none other than Joe Montana. I think we can put this discussion and debate away. It's done. It's over with. No more laughing at Mitchie. Joe Montana himself watched every play of Tom Brady, watched every play of Dan Marino, and remembers every play of himself. And he says, there's no question, Dapper Dan was the greatest quarterback of all time. It's easy to say when you have four rings and the other guy doesn't. <laughs> How many do we have? Who's we? Uh, Dan and I. Do we have the same amount? Yes, you do. Yeah. Now, I'm wondering, if Joe, had Joe Montana won no rings and Dan had four? Would have said the same thing because that's so? the kind of man Joe Montana is. Oh, it is. I didn't yeah. know that he's that kind of guy. You're not going to get an argument from me because I watched Dan in his prime and I watched Joe in his prime and I've watched a lot Tom of football. Brady? And Tom Brady. But the ball, if you watch highlights of, my, of Marino now, it comes off his hand differently. Like Elway had a little bit of that where it just looked different off his hand. Mm -hmm. It comes off his hand so bizarre and fast it's marino to me you're not going to get an argument out of me so you, it's all done we're going to agree on mitch unfiltered that dan marino is the greatest quarterback of all time the only <laughs> downside so, one could say is that his scrambling ability you know why can't you have that who arm? needs to scramble when you get rid of the ball like he got rid of the ball no one ever sacked him because he got he got rid of the ball so fast. Steve Young's legs on Marino, maybe you you know maybe you can make a case that he can't really move but the, the positions. But he's right at the time in Seattle in '84, we got ground chuck. I mean that's that's what was popular in the NFL at the time was you know run run pass run run pass. And the the rules about what defenders could oh, do it. or yeah. not do, right? They got a, away with a lot more back then. Now the rules are all in favor of the passing game. That's exactly right. He okay. throw for eight thousand probably right. now. I'm not going to disagree with Thank Joe Montana. You. He knows a lot Thank about football. You. So let me advise all of our listeners, never have this conversation again. <laughs> it's, Your buddies, over. it's over. <laughs> uh, Joe Montana has spoken. Yeah. He was so. pretty good. Yeah. All right. I can live it. I mean, how do I then get into a story about a 25-year-old that pled guilty to sexual penetration with a living animal? I can't get into this story now really? after talking about Dan Marino. That's, <laughs> it's the first really? one I'm next on my I, list. I, I, come on. <laughs> How do I then make that transition? Why are we talking about that? All right, Jeannie Buss got married. That's sports. Yes, she did. Is Jay Moore going to own the Lakers he's one not, day? He's Jesus not funny, God. is he? He's a com you, you think he's funny? You think everybody's funny. I do. Anybody who gets on stage for a living and does stand-up, you respect. Maybe respect. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever tried to do stand-up, let's forget it. 
but I'll say he's one of the most underrated impressionists ever. Really? See, you think his impressions are pretty damn good. I, I think he's funny. I mean, I've, I've never seen him live. I thought she went out with Phil Jackson. What am I? What am I missing? Yeah, at one point, sure. I thought she was married to Phil Jackson. I I look up, she's getting married. I'm thinking, oh, Phil Jackson, and her never got married. Look at that, they're getting. Jay Moore? Yeah, Jay Moore. I know. Just Where a kid he, from Jersey. How does he get into this uh, into the picture? He was with Nikki Cox. Is for he a while making decisions on LeBron James's contract or what? Is he gonna own the Lakers one day? Like what the hell? I'm sure the prenup is pretty ironclad, but nonetheless, Jay Moore? Yes. Is like sitting courtside at the Laker games with the owner? I mentioned this with Rick Neuheisel. I'll mention it to you because you obviously don't know, and I didn't know until the very last second. There was a football game between the University of San Diego okay. and Cal Poly. Do you know where California Poly is? Not only do I know, but I've been there. We used to be on the air in San Luis Obispo. It's gorgeous. Really? Sure. Is it gorgeous? San Luis Obispo is incredible. It's right on the water, a little north of um, of L.A., so it just feels like a small town. It's gorgeous. Yeah, really? I, lo- I love it. We've actually, I've, we drove through the campus, so I've been there. Do you know who the football coach is I, of Cal Poly? I don't. Do you remember the name Paul Wolf? Sure, Wazoo. Wazoo. Yeah. He is the new head football coach of Cal Poly, and in his first game of the year, they beat San Diego 27-10. to 10. University of San Diego 27-10. Okay. to 10. But that's not all. All right. <laughs> Who's the starting quarterback for Paul Wolf and oh, Cal Poly? You should know that. I should. Yeah. Oh, is it a Heward? Sam Heward. <laughs> wow. 24 of 42, 364 yards. Ugh. And Sammy Heward's debut at Cal Poly in a win over San Diego. The NFL has a head coach who is uh, now, ad- well, he's not admitting to be a Swifty, but people are calling him a Swifty. Do you know what a Swifty is? You know what a Swifty is? Uh, yes, I do. I'm, I live on this planet. Who would be the last NFL coach oh. of the 32 that you would say would ever become a Swifty? Oh, um, Belichick. Bill Belichick, age 71, went on the radio last week and praised Taylor Swift, 33, unexpectedly after seeing her perform through the rain in a concert in May. Quote, it was pretty impressive. Belichick told WEEI, she's tough, man. She stood out there and played right through it. Yeah. When asked by the host if he officially now considers himself a Swifty, Belichick replied, officially, I don't know about that. (laughs) But he added, I'm definitely on the you got to calm down, referring to Swift's 2019 song, You Need to Calm Down. (laughs) Nice. That's a Swifty, says the host of WEEI. Wow. Even she's even gotten to Bill Belichick. It's over. She's gotten everyone then, right? If you got if yeah. she's gotten to Bill Belichick, right. I give up. Her biggest fan and yes. Bill Belichick were all in between those two <laughs> on this planet, right? I mean, everyone fits somewhere in between there. The 14-year-old girl right. from like Detroit, Michigan, yep. who dresses up as Taylor Swift every Room, day to go to school, inch, yeah. and Bill Belichick. That's right. We're all, we all fit somewhere <laughs> in between those two. Well, you'll be happy what to know that, that her fans in North America are going to get the chance to relive the tour oh. or witness it for the first time because the show will soon be coming to the big screen. Ah. Finally, a couple bucks in her pocket from the uh, yeah, success she hasn't made, of the she movie. Yeah, she hasn't made enough. <laughs> Good for her. But yeah, so you can, you can go to the theater and watch it all over again or see it for the first time. And I, I can't hate on her. Uh, she's incredible. She, she got like a to great Bill person. Belichick. Yeah. I was going to say Andy Nobody Reed. can get to Bill Belichick. <laughs> Tom Brady couldn't get to Bill Belichick. <laughs> He's a Swifty. <laughs> that's amazing. God's sake. Now, I, I knew he was a believer, but I didn't know he was a Swifty, so that's interesting. Another high-profile disagreement on X, formerly known as Twitter, from Elon Musk. 
He has blocked James Woods. Yeah, I did see that. Actor James Woods. Yeah. After the actor criticized the tech mogul's move to eliminate the block function. Did you know this? Yes. From the platform formerly known as Twitter, Musk previously told Woods to delete his account. After the star lamented that without the block feature, the website would become untenable for people like him who are willing to share their identities. If Musk does this, I will have no choice but to retire from this site, Woods posted. Quote, I'm having a good time blocking people who complain that blocking is going away, Musk said (laughs) on Sunday with a crying, laughing emoji. Uh. So he has blocked James Woods and everybody else who keeps crying about the fact that blocking is going away from Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I can see where it would be a little dangerous if people are, you know, sending you hateful stuff. And I'm yeah. sure you've got your share. Oh, yeah. I've got oh, my yeah. share, probably not as oh, much yeah. as you. But some, you know, it, it, it could be dangerous if someone, are, you know, if they talk about your family I think it's a curious decision. I don't know that I'm outraged by it. Well, maybe like, I will become outraged by it when everybody gets through to me that wants to say something really, really nasty. But yeah, I don't really understand the reason why he's doing it. I guess I haven't really explored what the reason Elon Musk wants to do away from the blocking. I think away it's, with the block. It's more of a you're, you can say whatever you want on here. I don't I don't you know, there's freedom of speech. There's there's no censorship, maybe is what he would say. Can I give you the last Kevin Costner update of your life? Okay. All right. So we just found out how much he's going to have to cut his estranged wife, Christine Baumgartner, each month for child support. Okay. I think he's going to like it. The judge said Kevin's going to be forking over $63,209. That's exactly what he said was appropriate. Now, sixty-three grand is less than half of what she was getting in temporary support. Oh, and don't forget, she originally asked for $248,000 a month. Now, I, I know people are rolling their eyes going... That's like 600 grand a year, 700 grand a year. Like, yeah. but when I can, it's a little more complicated with kids, right? No, it's not that much more complicated with kids. I would say it is. So let's say you guys are split up and you have young kids and they go to your house and it's a $30 million home with water slides. It's the greatest. And then they come back to mom's condo. Yeah. You know, she, she can't compete with that. She's got to have water slides. That's exactly right. She's got to have enough I money mean, to compete. So it you're can't saying, be, I, I, I sort of get where she's saying, she, I got to be able to replicate. If the kids are asked to go to two different places, Yeah, you got to be able to replicate the better of the two scenarios, what you're saying. I think it makes more sense to make them as equal as possible hmm. because I could see that being rough with kids. I could just see it. Okay. Like dad's place well, is awesome. Your very, place sucks. You're being very considerate. I am. I'm a very, well, it's been said many I times. I don't think her place is going to suck at $63,000 a month. I would agree with you, and I think Kevin probably, I think the deal is he pays for all the expenses and everything, so I think she'll be okay. I think she'll be fine, but I could I could get that a little bit, though. You know, I hopefully never have to go. All right, Kanye West, ugh, you see what him and his girlfriend did no. in Italy? No. Well, they are now barred from using a Venice boat rental company due Uh-oh. to some indecent exposure. Oh. Yeah, the band stems from an incident where he and his wife were riding in a water taxi through the historic island city, according to Daily Mail Australian. One photo caught Bianca kneeling in front of Kanye, Uh who was seated on a bench with his hand gripping the back of her head. You could probably Uh do the math on what was going on in that boat. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's even a picture you can like see his butt crack and... Yeah, not good. So the water taxi company was totally in the dark until the images surfaced in the media. But Kanye's had a good couple of years. He's got a good run, hasn't he? <laughs> I mean, the What's whole... It, Wheezy? What's it? Tweezy? Queasy? Uh, Yeezy, actually. Yeezy. Yeah. I think yeah. Wheezy was good times. Yeah. Jefferson. Wheezy! <laughs> but, like, the indecent exposure charge, you got to yeah. be careful with that shit. That's, that's ugly and pretty gross. Like, it's one thing to just for them to say, hey, we don't want you in our boats anymore. But having that kind of charge, I mean, that's like, dude... You can't just go to a hotel. It has to be done right here on the boat. 
Like, yeah, I, uh, he seems like he seems like something's not quite right upstairs. So I have one last him. story before a whole bunch oh, of RIPs. Geez. Yeah, but I think you're going to get a kick out of this last okay. story. I don't know if you've read it. Did you read about the single woman who was horrified to discover something was written on her bathroom toilet? Have you heard that story? Written on it? Yes. No. Okay, so here's the story. Single- I've seen snakes in it, but okay, nothing no, no, written. This, this is good. Okay. This is good. I'm not sure why it's good. Again, this is one of those, why does Mitch find this so funny? <laughs> yeah. Single woman horrified to discover that her hinge date, do you know hinge? Mm, I think it's no. a dating app. Okay. Hinge date scrawled a message under her toilet seat telling other men to run. Really? Yes. Because <laughs> it'll never be up when she's there. Amazing. So here's what happened. Luna Ray, 23, matched with an unidentified man on the dating app earlier this year before inviting him to her Michigan home. Ray said that she soon realized that she and the man were far from compatible and asked him to leave. He agreed to do so but first asked if he could use her bathroom. Oh, boy. Where he carried out the vengeful vandalism using two of her lipsticks. I was going to say, if he had a Sharpie on him. (laughs) Go ahead. This is what Ray said. He started talking about how he was a very worldly man and had toured the world. Straight away, he says that in France, there were these two girls that wanted to have a three-way with him. He just was not very charming, she says. I basically wasn't feeling him. And as an excuse, I said to him, I'm not over my ex-boyfriend yet. Yeah, we've all used that. You've used that? Sure. I'm not looking for a relationship <laughs> engaged three weeks later. Saying that she used that as an excuse to spare his feelings. She didn't want to say, I'm not into you. Right, yeah, yeah. She says, hey, I'm just not over my ex-boyfriend yet. He asked me, so can I use your restroom before I leave? Which was fine, of course. I didn't know that he had written anything until the next day, my roommate calls me and was like, what the hell happened to our toilet? I'm like, what are you talking about? Ray says that her roommate's boyfriend oh, <laughs> lifted the lid of the toilet yeah. to go pee and found a bright red warning scrawled in lipstick. It said, quote, she is effing her ex, run. <laughs> and included his phone number so they could contact him for more information. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Ray says, initially, I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. But I no longer feel that way as he used my lipstick, which is so unsanitary. Yeah, there's that. He actually used two different shades of lipstick and put them both back on the counter, hoping I'd use them again. Oh, God. Ray uploaded a video to TikTok, of course. Of course. Telling the toilet tale. And it quickly went viral, racking up more than 5 million views. That's amazing. It's kind of ingenious. <laughs> Except for it's, it's not dis- true. It's, it's disturbingly ingenious. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's a little sick. Both of them, though. He put his phone number on there for people to call him. <laughs> give me a ring. I'll tell you more. I'll She's tell you all about it. She's your ex. Run now and uh, give me a ring. 206. Careful when you start lying to people. Oh, Who knows how that'll trigger them? Oh, God. That's amazing. So, All right, you have a bunch of RIPs? I have nine in total. So you know the name Muhammad Al-Fayed? I have him. Go ahead. Yes, I remember the name. Dodi Fayed was famously yes. killed with Princess Diana yes. in 1970. This is the father who owned... 1997 car crash. Yeah, he was a businessman. He, two, was, he, was, a, he was a billionaire businessman who owned yeah, a Harrod, Harrod's department yeah, yeah, store. Harrod's department store. That's Punch right. magazine, That's right. Kurt Geiger okay. shoes. Right. Like, I'll ring the bell every time you take one of mine. 
Okay, there's one. So yeah, Muhammad passed away in 94. He was really hard on the royal family when his son died. It just really came okay. after him. And There's one. We already did Jimmy Buffett. We sang the song. By the way, Jimmy That's Buffett, I just, before we go, I got to tell you that yeah. he wrote the new lyrics at the time for the, for the team, for the Dolphins, to his 1979 song, Fins, which is played during Dolphins home games. Is Finn still Miami played? Dolphin fan. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. If that's, is that a song? But big know. fan, man. He's, he should be your guy. Okay. So we got uh, this one just happened. I literally had the story about this person being in hospice and it didn't okay. look like he was going to be around for long. Smash Mouth's lead singer Steve Harwell passed hey away. Hey, now. You're a rock star. Get, Get your, your game, game on. I never know the lyrics to it. It's been around for 25 <laughs> I years. I did okay. Not bad. Yeah. So the manager hey, for the band. That's another one I had. God, you're going to get them all. He was struggling with alcohol abuse throughout his life and he reached the final stage of liver failure but a couple years ago there was a troubling incident I don't know if you saw the video during a live performance he's slurring and yeah. he says he retired since then and um, I know he lost a child who was six months old to leukemia oh I didn't know that so if somebody's already got some demons I can understand crawling into a bottle and never wanting to come out after that i can imagine the heartbreak and the pain so rest in peace to steve 56 years old you said 56 and he managed I to know get 56 his, yeah right i know 56 but they managed to get their songs into shrek that put them on another level of fame what was the and, other one you said the other one besides rock uh, i'm a believer the monkey song i'm a believer yeah so yeah they were they were pretty okay. big walking on the sun might as well be walking on the sun you wow, might know that one a lot of songs yeah so anyway he dealt with some hardships so rest in peace to steve All right gary wright nothing to do with the old seahawks pr guy right he passed Who's away right justin his son tells us his father passed away monday morning at his home in california which is in the south bay he had parkinson's about five or six years ago he was diagnosed with parkinson's five or six years ago as well as dementia shortly after after his biggest hit, you know, he had he ended up producing 12 albums. He sang on a bunch, but you know, Dreamweaver, one of my favorite songs of all time. Dreamweaver. That one, yes. I can, can make it through <laughs> the night. Yes, yes. Great song. Don't yeah. sleep on that song, no pun intended, with Dreamweaver. Yeah. Crank up Dreamweaver. It's Dreamweaver. a gorgeous song. Dreamweaver. So, by the way, side note, yeah. Gary Wright was in a band called Spooky Tooth back in the day. Yeah. All right. And another guy in the band was named Mick Jones was in Spooky Tooth. Lou Graham, before he was in Foreigner, met Mick at a Spooky Tooth concert, gave Mick one of his CDs. Mick invited Lou to jam, and they created Foreigner, and the yeah. rest is history. So, Are you going to weave Barry Allen Pincus into the story? <laughs> at some point, I might get there if I keep going. But he was also friends with George Harrison. They like, went to India together. Gary Wright, okay. man, rest okay. in peace. So all right. Those are the ones I have. That's all you have? Yep. Well, last week, I only did Bob Barker with the Graz. We talked about Bob Barker. I figured Barker. you did Bob Barker, We yeah. did Bob Barker with the Graz, but we didn't do anybody else. So I've got others that you haven't mentioned. How about Pro Football Hall of Famer Gil Brandt, one of the architects mm. of the old Dallas Cowboys yeah. teams, America's team. He died Thursday at the age of 91. I think you and I may have talked about Reggie Chaney, the former college basketball player at Houston. Maybe we didn't. No. He took his team to the Final Four in 2021, died at the age of 23 suddenly. Oh. He was in uh, Greece getting ready to play professional basketball overseas. A couple of your favorites... How about professional wrestling legend and WWE Hall of Famer Terry Funk? Know that name? Well. 79 years old. His career spanned more than 50 years, and he was hugely influential in the development of hardcore wrestling. Yeah. Terry Funk, 79. More than hardcore. He was a, just, he was a wrestling legend. Great in the ring, great out of the ring. Okay. He was also in the classic Patrick Swayze film Roadhouse. If you've ever seen Roadhouse. No, I've never seen Roadhouse. He played one of the bouncers. 
And there's no scenario where Dalton, Patrick Swayze, was going to kick Terry Funk's ass in real life. <laughs> that was bullshit. Terry Funk would have kicked his ass, but I love Terry Funk. He's a huge part of pro wrestling. How so about Bray Wyatt of WWE wrestling fame? You that know that one, name? Yeah, we were camping talking about that. 36 years old. That was weird, yeah. yeah. 36 years old, passed away suddenly on Thursday. You stead Steve Harwell. How about Hersha Parody? whose three-season run as Walnut Grove school teacher Alice Garvey on Little House on the Prairie. Oh, I love that show. an unforgettable dark end of fans of the beloved show. He was, she was 78 years old. Were you a Little House guy or no? I was not a Little House guy. Oh, I love it. That was Michael... Uh, Landon? Michael Landon. Yep. Landon? Melissa Gilbert. Gilbert, why are you going into... Merlin Olsen? <laughs> <laughs> was it Merlin Olsen on it too? I, I think, think so. It? Oh, uh, when, when, when Mary he when he wasn't doing florist commercials, <laughs> the TDF. <laughs> yes, when uh, when Mary lost her eyesight and they had to move oh, to Minnesota, I, I forget it. I mean, I tears this. galore for really? this kid. You were really? Oh, sure. I watched every you show. Were a little I house. Yeah. I had an older sister. I was kind of forced. And finally, David Jacobs. You won't know the name, but you'll know what he left behind. David Jacobs, eighty-four years old, passed away. The writer and producer who changed the face of television in the nineteen eighties. Hot shot. Okay. By creating two shows. Uh oh. My favorite show as a kid. Dallas? Dallas. He created Dallas and he created Knott's Landing. Wow. He died Sunday in Burbank, his son Aaron said. In its original incarnation, Dallas, 14 seasons, 357 episodes. How many shows go 14 years yeah, these no days? One. Yeah. Starting out as a five-part miniseries in April of 1978 and wrapping up in May 1991. It was the number one show in the Nielsen ratings for three or four seasons. Meanwhile, spinoff, Knott's Landing, debuted in December of 1979, also ran for 14 seasons, 344 episodes on Thursday nights, and ended in May of 1993, David Jacobs created them both. Wow. Passed away at the age of 84. I wonder how a guy like that does. Let's say he that's all he does. What does does that money I sustain? I would think that he continues as they're repeated. Don't you think he would get Are they repeated? I don't uh, how does that work? DVD sale? I mean, he must have made a ton in syndication and like I'm just curious if that if you could just make two shows, are you then set for life? I don't know how that works. I don't know how the money works either, but I'd like to know that. I would like as well. Now you got me thinking. By the way, Bray Wyatt, let's go back to him for wrestling fans. I forgot his dad is Mike Rotundo, who was a big part of the WWF. His uncle is uh, Blackjack Mulligan. Oh, no, sorry. His grandfather's Blackjack. His uncle's Barry Windham. He comes from a long, prodigious line of wrestling. And so that was really sad to see about Bray. So I don't, I, I don't think the David Jacobs family is appreciating you cutting David <laughs> Jacobs short to go back to I somebody. wanted to give more to Bray Wyatt. We, we had already talked about Bray Wyatt, and then David yeah, Jacobs comes out. The guy does Dallas and Knott's Landing, and what do you do? You proceed to cut him off to go back to Bray Wyatt. You won't believe me when I tell you that I was. I saw. A, I think I'm going to get you a gift for the holiday season that has to do with this show, coincidentally enough. This show? What show? The show you were just, one of the shows you were just mentioning, Dallas. Oh, God, I love Dallas. I, I think you'll like it. My family loved Dallas. All right. I, I think I might have to get this for you. If you don't oh like it, it's God. fine. But yeah, you guys love that show. I think we were a dynasty family. Were they on at the same time? They were. Oh, they were Blake competing. Carrington. No, they weren't. No, no. You mean the same time and night? No, 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 no. They weren't. Okay. No, no, no. Blake Carrington. We uh, watched it. Linda Evans. Oh, yeah. Linda Evans. Oh, yeah, yeah. John Forsyth. I think uh, yeah. Linda Evans had a house in Tumwater. She did. She's a, she, she was local for a while, if she's not still. And she listened Maybe to the show? Maybe Bainbridge. I don't know that she ever listened. Is she live, Linda Evans? Yeah, let's get her on. She is. She she married Yanni. <laughs> Come on, really? I think so. <laughs> 
that really? I, I may be making that up, but I think that that's, that's right. That's a hell of a power couple from 90, 89. I don't know. All right. I got a few headlines if you'd yes, like please. me to hit you with them. Please. The company 3M, they'll pay $6 billion to resolve lawsuits alleging that the company supplied faulty combat earplugs to service members that resulted in hearing loss. Mm. When asked for a comment, the military service member spokesperson was quoted as saying, Huh? <laughs> An impatient baby was born in a Maryland parking garage. Sadly, because they were born in a parking garage, the baby took forever to exit, and when they called for an attendant, nobody showed up. <laughs> Nearly 4,000 people are hospitalized with foreign objects, including vegetables, in their rectum each year. And the cases are on the rise, according to a new study. These days, people are making their booty calls to Amazon Fresh. A man who ordered a mobile phone online instead gets a fragmentation grenade in, in the mail. What? Say that again? A he, man? He ordered a mobile phone, but instead he got a grenade, a fragmentation grenade in the mail, in a package. Really? After the story hit the news, the man's phone started blowing up. And finally, the 43-year-old biohacker who spends $2 million a year to look like a teenager is getting his penis injected. Maybe a tad awkward when the nurse says, relax, you're just going to feel a tiny prick. I, I swear we'll do better the next I time. <laughs> I should have closed with the, the 3M one. You like that one the best? God. I do rearrange them to think like what's a good Ordering is everything, Hotshot. <laughs> I know, it really is. <laughs> uh, so we've come to the end of episode 200. What do you want to hear on the way out? Go ahead. What do you, go ahead. I, I got nothing. What do you want to hear? Come on, come on, just anything. Surprise me. All right, how about... Nothing? Yeah. Are you going to sing? No. no. You already ripped it once. I'm good. <laughs> you know it? She said, in the Hotel California. That would be uh, Area Code 253. Uh, episode 200, that would be two, uh, 214, I think. No, that's Dallas, 213. Episode 253, ladies and gentlemen, in the book. <laughs>